FM. See you on the lift. Back attack, dude. <laughs> hey, yo, homies. <laughs> Slide down the big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice, burgundy snowboard. Okay, we got a fun episode today coming at you from the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer and, of course, Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts. Today, guest hosting, we got Bob Plum in the booth. Bob, how you doing? I'm honored to be back. We're happy to have you. Looking good in that b-hole hat, too. Yeah, uh, I've been wearing this for a while now, and it's one of my favorite uh, merches <laughs> that you could buy on the website. Nice, dude. Nice plug. <laughs> nice work. We got Silk back there, Silk D, the producer. How are we doing, Silk? I'm doing great. Beautiful day. Yeah, haircut's looking good as usual. Thank you. Yeah, always looking phenomenal. Uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you thank you for your service. Uh, and, of course, we got Knut Eliason, man of the hour. Knut, how are we feeling today? I'm hitting with a boom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Boom, right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, boom. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm shaking. I'm sweating profusely, and uh, I'm really excited to do this. Uh, wish, right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Love to hear it. Uh, for the listeners that don't know who our boy Kenny is, Knut is head honcho, CMO, chief marketing officer over at Nitro Snowboards. He's an incredible snowboarder sitting on some solid video parts and can still do a cab nine in his sleep right yeah. now if we wanted him to. Uh, he's also one of the most dedicated humans to snowboarding I've ever met with a true passion for the culture, the industry, and the overall direction snowboarding is headed. It should be a fun conversation. Uh, but off air earlier, we had a great conversation. We have this mantra in the booth. It's a quote uh, that, that we stare at when we're sitting here, and it says, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Canute, what's your take on that? Uh, that's completely false. <laughs> 100% wrong. <laughs> okay, let's hear your that uh, is, debunk. Um, that is something single single people say. If you have a family, that is total bullshit. <laughs> Good luck trying to not make everyone happy if you have a family. You're going to leave someone out. You're not going to be successful at all. You are fucking screwed. <laughs> You're also, this is my, my mantra is the exact opposite. Like I'm about pleasing everyone mm. for as fast and as quickly as I can. Because if you try to not please everyone, then someone's fucking bummed, dude. Mm. That's just not my life. I try to please everyone. Sounds exhausting. It's exhausting, <laughs> but fucking what is life? <laughs> life supposed to be easy, Chris? Fuck no. <laughs> that is like the laziest <laughs> statement I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, I, I love your take. What is success? You winning? Everyone else losing? That's some bullshit. Success is everyone winning, dude. When you, <laughs> when you do what's best for yourself, though, oftentimes you're doing what's best for other people. No, good save. Uh, definitely not. That's, no, that's 100% a fact. Why? I love this getting all deep real quick. Yeah, let <laughs> Why? Okay, fuck. You got my back against the wall. Okay, when you like, let's say, let's say I do something that you want me to do, and I don't do what I actually want to do. Yep. It just creates resentment, and I resent you, and I'm not honoring my true self. But I want you to succeed. So if everyone had my attitude, everyone would be succeeding. Everyone would be exhausted, and they'd just be trying to do things to make other people happy, not make themselves happy. And I think if you make yourself happy, then you can show up for other people. As your best self. I Damn, Silk's dropping knowledge right out of the gate. Okay, I feel a little. I feel a little. Let's, att here. let's attack him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got good angles. He has to turn his All head right. a lot. This is this is too early for this philosophical no, no, conversation. I respect your perspective. That's what my mom says to me when I'm in an argument. I respect your perspective. 
But uh, yeah, if you have family, shit changes. I like everybody hears that quote and they're like, I love it. And then you're just, you just, I love that your take was totally opposite. So yeah. let's dive in. Um, great. We really hit the well, ground running. Today. Well, I want to say first, I'm honored to be here. 1000%. There's been so many insane people in this seat and I don't really feel worthy to be here. So thank you. You are worthy. And we are happy that you're here. And I think that it would be fun to talk about, you know, you as CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, you have a unique insight and perspective uh, being behind the scenes as like a shot caller at a major brand uh, like Nitro. So I would love to just dive into like start off by what exactly you do over there. Um, a helper. Honestly, I would consider myself a helper. We're that Nitro Nitro's not that big. We're a big company. We're global every like all over the world. I think we're in like forty different countries. Been around since nineteen ninety. The dude who started it still makes the boards. It's a big global company, but it's small. Like we're a team of, you know, fifteen people who kind of run everything. So no matter what your title is, you're just doing everything. So it's yeah, small. Small. Even though I'm CMO, it's just progression, I guess. But it is. I'll do everything from a wax some guy's board to basically cut a person or to tell a mag we're not doing it or to talk to Red Bull or make a deal with Audi. Keep like going. it's all levels. Like that kind or of record a product video. Or be on the phone with the Olympics because we make a board, a collab board. We made this collab board with uh, Volcom during the Sochi. No, not Sochi. The Pyeongchang Olympics. So we had this Volcom Nitro collab board. And we were thinking, oh, that'd be sick. Like uh, Marcus Cleveland rides for Volcom. Torge rides for Volcom. They can ride the Nitro Volcom board, right? They're happy. Their agents are happy. Volcom's happy. We're happy. And uh, the Olympics are going on, and my good friend who works as the head coach of the Norwegian National Snowboard Association, Ped Ivet Grimsrud, calls me from Pyeongchang the day before, like, the big air finals. And he's like, so they're saying Marcus can't compete with this board because it doesn't match the Olympic guidelines. You can't have, like, a collab board in the Olympics. So he's like, do you guys have another board for him? And I was like, uh, nope, that's all he's got. He's in Pyeongchang. I don't know how to get shit over there. That's all he's got. So he got me in contact with someone from the Olympics, and they called me. And they were like, so this is, like, fully illegal against the guidelines. You guys can't have a, vo- a clothing sponsor on a snowboard. This doesn't make any sense. Because one of the rules is, like, for snowboarding, it's easy because you can use the gear that you use normally. And it can say the base or the brand name all over the place. All other brands like Oakley or clothing, the branding has to be really small. But for snowboarding, it's okay because that's just how the boards are made. And so I was like, yeah, but it's okay. We sell this board. And he's like, so it's a natural collaboration to have a clothing brand on a piece of equipment. And on the phone, I'm like, yep, 100%. We do this all the time. It's totally normal in the snowboarding industry to have a clothing brand as a part of snowboard. And the guy was like, Oh, okay, we'll let it fly this time. I'm going to have my lawyer email you. So they emailed me, and I had to say, like, right back the same thing verbatim so I could get in trouble. So I was the one responsible if something went wrong. And it worked out fine. He ended up going and everything. But the next year in the guidelines, in the guidelines, it strictly said, no snowboard brand can collaborate with an outerwear sponsor <laughs> on the board. <laughs> so, yeah, so I do everything with the CMO stuff, I guess. So I don't know. I'm just a helper. I do a bunch of weird shit. But that was crazy. I was just up at 2 in the morning talking to the Olympics. And also, I mean, I see you do things like you go on YouTube, you're doing the product reviews on all the Nitro product, and you're also picking the team, and you're also talking to brands and magazines and media companies, and like it just seems like you do 
arguably maybe the most out of anybody at any brand. He's a workhorse. In, in snowboarding. Well, remember we were d- discussing the mantra? <laughs> I live the, my <laughs> mantra. <laughs> I try to please everybody. because I mean, honestly, I try to please everybody because I feel so lucky to have this hobby as my income. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to waste it. I don't want to burn it. And I never will. I'll always give like 200,000% to it. Yeah. That's why. Well, it shows, uh, and we see it. Well, thank I, you. Thank I got a question for you, because you do do so much stuff for Nitro, and like you were saying, you'll show up to the demo, wax boards, put on bindings. How do you juggle the time of being a dad of three, mm-hmm. the job, personal time, mm-hmm. a marriage? Win- it's a lot. It's true. It is a lot, but uh, winter is only four months out of the year. So right, I go all in during wintertime, and then in summertime, I'm chilling. I'm in the lake house. I don't own a lake house. I'm not like super rich, but I'm at like a lake place for like six weeks of the year just chilling. No one can have a normal job and just chill for six weeks. So I go all in in the wintertime and less and less. Obviously, I have three amazing daughters and I try to spend as much time with them now the older they get, you know. So it is less and less. Like when I was, before I had kids, I was a psychopath. I'm so surprised my beautiful wife Katrina is still with me because I was like (laughs) the boyfriend that was never there, Mm. you know. But yeah. Well, we got a guest question from none other than Griffin Siebert to start things off. Here we go. Hi, Neuter. Hi, Bombhole. The one thing I admire about you most, Canute, is your ability to kind of take a step back and look at the big picture, whether that's from the core side to the sales side to just every side of snowboarding, whether it comes to shop kids to the contest kid. Uh, my question for you is, what are the things you do and don't like about the current state of snowboarding? And where do you see it going into the future? And what are things you would change or hope to see in the future um, that pertains to snowboarding as a whole, as a community? Excited to hear the podcast, and I'm excited to hear your answer, Neuter. Goodbye. That question took so long. Can you fell asleep? <laughs> I, you know what the Did best he, is? His story over. You, you know what the best thing? I talked to Griff. I go. I go. Griff, send me a Griff's question. We talk about what he's gonna send me. Just keep it under thirty seconds. First one I get, minute forty. <laughs> then he goes, "I'm gonna send a shorter." That's the shorter version. That's fifty-one seconds. <laughs> he's the best. Griffin's my favorite. He's also the slowest human of all time, which is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty mellow question. Thanks, uh, hard hitting. Jeez, how do you change and save the world? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I and I don't. I, you could ask anyone this question. Everyone's gonna give you a different answer. But honestly, snowboarding fucking rules. It's fine. It's gonna figure itself out. We're only here just to help the flow and be a part of the flow. We can't change it. It's gonna do what it's gonna do. And you wow. can have all the opinions you want about it, but it's gonna do what it's gonna do. Fucking great snowboard philosophy right there. Yeah. Be the ball. It's a be the ball scenario. Damn. That's yeah. a Craig Kelly scenario right Legend. there. Legend. He knew what he was talking about. He'd be an amazing brand owner, marketing guy. Yeah. Just let it go. Because you can't change anything. People are going to do what they were going to do. Anything you, anything that you tell someone to do, they're gonna, someone's going to fight against it, and it's not going to happen. Hmm. And there's nothing bad, and there's nothing good about it. Right? There's just, for me, it's nothing bad, it's nothing good. It's just fucking epic, everything about it. You just have the different ends of it. Amazing. And either you like that end, or you like that end. Well, let's talk about your philosophy into. All right, so you look at Nitro's team. Mm-hmm. It's a big team. What's your What's your philosophy into like how you pick the riders that yep. go on the team? 
Well, my philosophy, like in the, when I started out in the beginning, I had more of a personal opinion about it all that I wanted, like they should be cool. They have to be good. They have to fit, not fit the mold, but they should be cool, legit and core. And then the further, the older I got, you just realize like there's so many different aspects of snowboarding and there's so many teams and companies that fill these certain, they're not niches, but areas of snowboarding and they fill it so well. Like right now, I think like the ride team has like a sick, sick spot in like street snowboarding. There's no point of Nitro being there, like trying to get our shoulders in there, like get out of the way, ride. We're trying to come in. We're a real snowboard company. You guys just make skis on the side and then slap a ride label on it. You know, we're not trying to do that. <laughs> we're here. We're a global company. Yeah, shots, shots fired. I like that. But the ride dudes rule. Like no hate there. Um, for we're from it's Ger- it's a German company, so we're not American. So we have a global perspective. And I'm from Minnesota. I live in Norway, so I have also like a global appreciation of the sport. I know it happens everywhere, and for the team, I want our team to represent the global team, or the global view of uh, snowboarding. So we have, fuck, I was at a sales meeting last week, or like our internal sales meeting, and I was presenting the team. Guess how many people we have on our team? 29. 42 people. Holy we pay 42 <laughs> riders. <laughs> That's and sick. It's so sick, but I was looking at the list. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty That's pretty global representation and a huge chunk of the budget. And the owner, Tommy, Tommy DeLago, legend. They gave him a, uh, a horn. Tommy DeLago, legendary dude who started Nitro Snowboards a while ago. And uh, he's sitting in the back, and I'm just say like, we pay 42 riders globally. We are fucking killing it. And he's just like on his computer and just looks up. And I'm just like, I'm like, big shout out to Tommy for giving this huge ass budget to the team and keeping it going. He puts his head down. <laughs> no, so for our, yeah, the Nitro team, it's just like, we support all aspects of snowboarding. And the main thing is, I don't want anyone on there that can't get along with the other people. I don't want anyone that's too cool for school. And if they are, they have to be able to take uh, the jabs and the jokes that we give them. That's basically the philosophy. Philosophy. And I'm not trying to buy riders, or we're not trying to, like, steal riders. And that's a huge, that's for, I've been doing this for 10, 15 years almost, and always, people are always like, yo, you need that guy on the team. We need that girl on the team. Get that one. Get that one. And my, I'm always just saying, like, why? We have someone else eventually from our, from our crew or squad is going to come up. And I'd rather have that than be like, oh, we got this one now. We got this one. Because that's what a lot of other brands do. And I get it. It's easy. It's not easy, but it, it makes sense. It makes impact, instant impact. And we're like a long-term company team. I like that. And that's the beauty of being rider owned too, is like it, privately owned is that, you know, a lot of the big companies, they change marketing departments every three years, whole new squad, ax everybody, you know, that's, that is cool. The long-term, you know, thinking about rider owned brands or privately owned brands, it's, it's long-term people that stay at the brand. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, I mean, with Nitro, dude, I've been working for Nitro for. I've been a, in. I got sponsored by Nitro in two thousand and one. So I've been with them for twenty three, almost twenty three years. Damn, now. it's sick. And uh, most people at the company have been there for twenty years, and that that gives you this confidence for longevity. Because, like you said, when people, especially marketing people or sales guys, switch out at a company, then they bring their their old squad in kick out what was there because they come in and then they expect change. And the only way they can show that they can do change is to make change, which means they got to fuck over everyone who was there before and bring in their own guys or girls, which is fine, but that sucks. Now, when's the last time you did a cap nine? Uh, last year. 
How many tries it take? One. Okay, so for those <laughs> who are listening, Knut's an incredible snowboarder. Mm. Now, I want to play a little game called Are You Better Than the Team Rider? I like this game. Uh, with some of the Nitro team. <laughs> what are you? So, <laughs> I went to Super Park one year with Canute when he, it, I think it was the first year he became the team manager, and, and I, I will say he was the best rider <laughs> on the trip. And at that time, I didn't know Canute super well, but I was like, I was like, damn, dude, you're better than fucking everybody on the team. It was pretty weird going from because I went from like a team, like an Amish proish kind of transitional type of person to becoming the team manager. And I was, I think I was 20, I was like 20, I was young, 23 or something. And then all of a sudden I'm riding with the team riders and like I'm, my curve of progression was still going up when a lot of theirs <laughs> had plateaued or was going down or they were just young and hadn't gotten there yet. So then I'd be riding at Super Park, for example, and like hitting the jump and I'd be like, yo, film me, film me. And I have the filmer filming me the whole time. And I'd tell the other guys like, you should film with them. And they're like, Why? You're doing it all. <laughs> and that was, then I realized it's kind of shitty to be mm. that guy, right? See, I think to get onto the team, there should be like a, you should be like a two-run format. You have to compete against Canute to get on. <laughs> and if you're not better than him, then you can't be on the team. Just a game of skate. <laughs> <laughs> Just so great. All right, you want to be on? We're playing a game of snow. Let's go. All right, so we're going to get into Are You Better Than the Team Rider? <laughs> New game. All right. Like First name. Torgier Bergam. Nope. Nope. Second name. Griffin Siebert. 100%. Never. He's never been even close. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not a burn. He does his thing. Like I said, we're, we're a brand that supports all types of snowboarding. He does his thing. Okay. I think I will say I can this, even be, though. Dude, I can even beat him splitboard. I, that's what I was going to say. We should set up a race. <laughs> We should set up a race to see who gets to the top first, Canute or Griff. Wow. Because yeah. walking is a big part of it, or skinny. Yep. Okay. I like this. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> for Chris. his job. For his job. Okay. Um, next rider, Marcus Cleveland. Um, yeah. Uh, better at hand plants. Ooh. I taught him how to do a hand plant, actually. Take so, that, Marcus. So you're claiming that you're better in total or just better at hand plants? Just at hand plants. Okay. At hand plants. Who's better? No one. There's not one, there's not one single person on the planet Earth that's better than Marcus Cleveland. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, Sam Taxwood. I, on par. You guys not are even? Now? You guys are you're on For ride in the park, yeah. Okay. Par. Young Dolly. Um, 1,000%. He was, I'm not going to throw shade to Dolly. He's the he's my one of my favorite snowboarders. He was, before he was Young Dolly, when he was Lucas Baum, the contest rider, he was better than me. He could do, uh, he could do backside double cork 10s every single time. But now, just for, to be clear, you are better than him? I mean... It's a yes or no question. That's a 1,000% okay. yes. Okay, good. Sorry, Dolly. Uh, Haley Langland. No. God, no. Okay. Brian Fox. Yep. Okay. Benny Urban. Oh. Uh, yeah. Depends where we're at. He can do really cool, simple, long tricks in the streets. You're kind of dodging the your answer. It's a yes or no question. I'm, it's a yes or no question. No, he's better than me. Now. He's better than me. He threw out the word simple there, so yeah, I kind of feel like, like he that thinks seems he's like, better than Yeah, me. I think he's not speaking his truth right now. <laughs> I've been on a rail trip with them both. Both of them hitting spots. We both have simple tricks. Like, I only had, like, 270s and nose presses and stuff like that. Benny still only has 270s and nose presses. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Benny. They're cool, though. They're good. <laughs> okay. Arrow Etzela. Nope. Never. Bob Plum? 
Do you snowboard, Bob? <laughs> I don't bend my knees when I snowboard, apparently, when I watch footage of myself. Bob and I have worked together for 10 plus. How long have we worked Dude, together? Forever. Forever. A long time. I think I've seen him snowboard without a backpack once. Dude, this last winter, I was getting it. <laughs> I think I was bending those knees. I rode a bunch, no backpack. I, I see do. him serve up a mean back one back in Minnesota back in the day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I knew him with Bozrek. That's the last time I saw you snowboard Bozrek video. <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> so better than Bob. Okay. Uh, Lori Bluin. No. I know. Have you been, have you, have you been like South Spain and stuff oh, like dude, that? Oh, dude, they're right? animals. It's, yeah, they're animals. It's no joke. Okay. Dominic Wagner. No, he's better. All right, Dominic Wagner's my last name. I had I didn't pick everybody on the team, but we have there's like 38 more. <laughs> <laughs> we we could do this for the rest of the show. Luda, Luda Biltoff. No, um, throw some respect on Luda Biltoff. That guy is fucking the best. He's incredible. Okay, you mentioned Marcus Cleveland's the best. I think that's an interesting. Like that is a huge. The fact that you guys have Marcus on the team is huge. Uh, yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, could we be more lucky? Yeah. He has. Yeah. Why? Do you, what's going on there? Um, I think. Uh, I honestly, I think. I no, not honestly. I know it is because he started riding for Nitro when he was, I think, eleven, ten, maybe. I was in Norway and we were hitting the spring jump or summer jump, and his dad called our photographer Lorenz Holden. He's like, "Ah, my young son. He rides for Nitro. He just got on the team. He wants to come up and hit the jump. It's in Norway by his house. He's like 10, 11 maybe, and I think I'm." 920 something we're hitting this jump this little kid comes up huge like um rabbit teeth crazy Volcom out of wear helmet on just like hey guys i just want to snowboard and we look at him and he's like get out of here kid like you don't belong here at all total douchey in my head i'm just like why is this little kid here it's our time to shine it's our park shoot <laughs> so we're right we're hitting it i think i was doing cap fives like back sevens front fives getting the photo looking all dope going to lolly looking at the photo and then i see when he's going through the photos i see this little kid still frames of him going bigger than me doing the exact same trick like a cab five melon higher than me poking it out bigger and was like what the hell? why is this kid here that's the first time i met him and then a year later he comes to the park shoot and he's doing uh, backside tens I've never done a backside ten in my whole life, and he's just schooling all of us. And by that, and from that moment on, he's been part of the f- like family. And I've, we've all been intimidated by him. But he's he likes us because he knows us, and we're just a small company. We don't tell him what to do. We don't use him as like a like a, a model. You know what I mean? Like, hey, Marcus, you have to be here, here, and here. We need you to perform, perform, perform. We just let him do whatever he wants to do because let him be the ball. And that's been the strategy for like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Where do you think he's going to, he's like just incredible. Like it's like a fucking video game watching him snowboard. Where do you think he's going to take it? Um, he's going to bring it back to, I don't know where he's going to take it. That's an impossible question. But I think he is at a, a spot where he's going to kind of hopefully change the soap style game of like what is accepted. So it's not just like the 2180s and like the 3000 soon. I think I hope he's able to like make it so it's more interesting to watch, which it is. Cool, which will be. Hey, uh, we got a snacks McNally question, uh, Silk. The first one. Why don't you serve that up? Yeah. Shout out to our Patreon members. Shout out. What are the metrics for success in marketing? Quantifying growth and sales seems easy to measure, but in marketing, why is it so tough to pinpoint? Um, because 
uh, marketing brand. There's like different types. There's two different types of marketing. You have uh, quantitative marketing, which is sales and uh, ROIs, and then you have brand building marketing. And brand build, building marketing is unquantifiable because it does just flow like the river. You just have to keep pushing, investing in your company. You always overinvest into your brand, and then it will pay off in the end. No matter what happens, as long as you overinvest into your brand, it will pay off because then you did your best. It does not guarantee success. We have to go all in all the time. But what makes it hard is, yeah, it's just uh, um, everyone has their own opinion about it. Like, it's easy to sell these guys. Smelling salts? Smelling salts. <laughs> right? Because it's sick. You're like, I buy them. I'm, I'm going to eat it. It's going to be fun. I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> uh, to. We be do, clear, not do not recommend eat, eating. I'm going to buy I'm going to eat smelling salts. Just do no, but you, you know what I mean. Like, you sell them, you use them. Done. Yeah. Awesome. You get the gratification right away. But with building the brand around it, you have to do so much more. You have to actually show a guy running through the wall. Then you're building the brand around mm-hmm. it, right? And that you can't measure that. You can only measure that by people coming, like me coming in here like, God, that's so sick. This is sick. Imagine someone telling you smelling salts is sick. That would never happen. But you guys have built the brand. That's one way of measuring it. If people tell you smelling salts are sick, you're doing a good job. Well, and, and so that's that's being authentic to who we are, which is being fucking idiots, right? Like yep. just having fun, and that's that's <laughs> actually honestly like we sell more salts than any other product, and it's a fucking joke. We started as a joke, and we're just we have fun with it, and and I think people buy into that brand. Whereas with this and with the snowboard, I think people buy into the story of the brand, the team, mm-hmm. what the brand stands for. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody does that. Some people just pick one off the wall. They don't know what it means. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge there's a huge difference within snowboarding. You have people who snowboard, and you have snowboarders. And when you build the brand, you're selling it or you're building it for snowboarders because they can identify with the brand. They're buying the story. They're buying the product because they want to be a part of it. They want to associate themselves with it. And then you have snowboarders. They just need a tool to have fun, and that's awesome. But we need to build the brand up to keep snowboarding what it is. What What role would you say the word "boom" <laughs> has played into the marketing success of Nitro? Um, I think pretty heavy, dude. I think it's kind of crazy. I don't know. I started doing it years ago on Instagram because so I I also run the Nitro snowboard instagram account jesus dude you do everything and uh well i started because when i started it there was like nitro was at uh, snowboarding was in this transitional period of uh going into social media the internet and all that stuff it was like you put a hundred grand into the magazines you got four ads you got the best riders boom you did your job and then when i got into it that was all changing so i saw that we weren't doing any kind of videos on youtube we didn't have social media so i started all that stuff and then i got tired of what comment like actually commenting on people on social media so i figured better than a thumbs up which is the word boom because <laughs> i just think it's funny boom 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 it's just good energy right so i started that and then it kind of took off i don't know i ended up making a movie called boom <laughs> yeah and let me tell you something when you post something on the gram and you see that nitro snowboard boom you're like the obligatory you're like yeah we we fucking killed it pretty good it yeah. feels good to be the i've been a recipient of a, of a boom <laughs> comment and I would say 90% of all the booms come from the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, that was the next thing I was about to ask you is like, what percentage of the Instagram management is operated off of the toilet? A lot. Gets up, legs asleep. A lot. Just can't walk around. A lot. A lot. A lot. No, it's important, but I'm, I'm, this is how you have to maximize your time if you're doing a lot. <laughs> Social media, bathroom. Yeah. 
human optimization <laughs> with canoe eliasin. <laughs> Take true. a shit, leave some comments. But I tell all the team riders too. I tell team riders all the time and other pro snowboarders who hate social media, like, oh, this is so stupid, such a waste of time. Like, yes, 1,000% it is. You should be outside running, golfing, skating, doing anything. You should be outside living, not on your phone. But everyone has to poop. <laughs> and might as well try to make some money while you're pooping. Right? Wow, that's great advice. <laughs> that's the time when you can be on your phone. That's the only time anyone should ever be on their phone is when they're pooping. That's what we joke about is like you'll see Nitro drop like five videos and we're always like, oh, can you stay in the shit? Talk- <laughs> had, tacos, had tacos the day before. <laughs> He's been having diarrhea. Productivity is up. <laughs> productivity is up. Yeah, yeah. boom. Boom's in pro- Yeah. Maybe you, you could answer this. I don't know if we've ever asked anybody this on the show, but like... Maybe you could explain why a snowboard is so fucking expensive. Good luck with that. Why a snowboard is expensive? Yeah, why are they? Why are they because it's just a, it's a question that gets asked by our listeners sometimes. Yep. Snowboards are expensive because, it. I mean, there's a lot of material in there. Edges are expensive. Bases are expensive. Wood core, if you get it um, sourced responsibly, is pretty expensive. I, I mean, it's an expensive product. Things like as tall as you are. Good luck trying to find something. on Shipping. Yeah, and sh- I mean, there's so many. I mean, you have shipping, you have people. What do you want? To, what do you want? To, uh, you want someone who put this thing together and not get paid anything? You got to pay the people who put it together. You have the shipping. You got to pay the UPS, the FedEx guy. You have the government. You have to pay taxes. Well, you don't want to pay your taxes, you son of a... You know what I mean? Everything costs money. Everything adds up. You could get it. You could buy it somewhere for 100 bucks. You could buy it for 200 bucks. You could buy it from your neighbor for $50. You could go to a flea market and get it for free. But if you're going to buy a new one, you got to... Yeah, show respect and pay what it costs. That's what it is. No one's getting rich off of snowboards. So that's like the thing. Like, it's so expensive. Like, yeah, but no one's getting rich off. What about your iPhone, dude? Tell me why this thing's so expensive. So that, I mean, it's a dumb question. Yeah, it is actually a dumb question. Why do you think it's so expensive? <laughs> I'm not throwing shade, but it is like, you got you to pay to play or you got to pay, man. I think that's the thing that's also great about snowboarding is that like what you just said, Nobody's getting rich off snowboarding is so fucking important because the only people that are left are people that love it. You see Nike come in. They're like, we're going to take over snowboarding. Then they're like, we're not making any money. You see Adidas come in. They're like, we're taking over snowboarding. They're like, shit, man, there's no money in this. We're not making any money. Yeah, I mean, a snowboard is not expensive. Yeah. Like in, in the greater scheme of things, they should cost $2,000 is yeah. what they should cost. That's why none of those big brands are in snowboarding because they're not that expensive. The margins aren't that good for real life. I guess that's the, the thing. But, I mean, new ones are expensive, but there's so many snowboards. Right now, last year, there was, there was, there's never been more snowboards made in the whole world. Last year was the highest productions ever of snowboards. All factories are maxed out. Well, you guys are big on the Quiver. What's up with the Quiver? The Quiver series was introduced 10 years ago now by Brian and Austin Smith. Started with an idea. We had an idea of, like, um, we should make three boards that you can do everything with. You got your all-mountain board, park board, powder board. And then people just love the, the powder board shape so much that it eventually just grew into this giant line of eight, nine, ten boards of just powder boards. And the philosophy behind it's simple. There are boards that are designed for different types of terrain, for different types of conditions. But Tommy, who's the owner and board maker, he's like a no-bullshit kind of gimmick product guy. He's like, we'll make any kind of shape, but you have to be able to like carve and have a good time on the groomers. And that's basically the philosophy behind it. And Ryan, or Brian, Ryan, Brian has also been a huge advocate for it. And he's designed all the graphics, <laughs> except uh, 
one year Austin Smith was kind of involved in the tanked. <laughs> also, also Brian. I mean, Brian's amazing. He he's a curator of cool. He understands. He can make anything look cool. And he also with Tommy chooses the different shapes. And Tommy Tommy also comes in with a lot of these shapes. He's heavily involved as well. No, the Quiver series that uh, helps uh, that helped put Nitro on the map for sure. And everyone's been copying it ever since. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Talk to you guys about Autumn beanies. Now at Autumn, style matters. They got all different styles of beanies. From the deep resi surplus fit to the shorty fit, which is more of a shallow fit, and the simple fit, which is right in between. They got riders with impeccable style, like Sam Taxwood, Spencer Schubert, and Danimals. Everybody knows Danimals styles out of hand. They're a great company with great beanies, and they're even snowboarder owned by Brad Allband. Big fan of Brad Allband. So be sure to check out autumnheadwear.com. And you can use promo code BOMBHOLE to save 20% off your order and get yourself a nice autumn beanie. We are going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Ski-Doo, one of my favorite brands. Now, this is exciting because snow's starting to fall, winter's coming, and all the Ski-Doo snowmobiles are arriving at the dealerships as we speak, including the turbos that some of you have spring-checked. They also got all the accessories that you need to avoid crowds and have fun up in the mountains, whether you're snowmobiling or snowboarding. They got the link board rack system, so you can haul your snowboard. They got tunnel bags. I even got some heated gloves from Skidoo this year, so we're excited to test those out. So get yourself to your local Skidoo dealer and get those accessories so you can have a good time in the mountains. Now, let me tell you about the 2023 Summit Edge Package. It's an incredible machine. It's got the awesome Rotax two-stroke power that you that will get you through that deep snow. It's incredibly nimble. You can rip turns on these things. They just turn on a dime. It's got the shot push button available, so you don't have to mess with a pull cord. You just hit a button, and your snowmobile starts. You save some energy that way. And they got smoking incentives running from now till October 31st. You can get up to a $1,500 rebate or a three-year warranty on a 2024 Summit Edge. And you can save an extra 30% on select Ski-Doo riding gear. And it's crispy. I got myself a nice hat as well. They got beanies. They got everything you need. So be sure to head to your local Ski-Doo dealer and get yourself set up for an absolutely incredible winter. All right, we're going to jump back in here with a great hard-hitting question. Bring it on. From none other than Sam Taxwood. Here we go. What's going on, bomb hole? This is Sam Taxwood, and I got a little guest question for Mr. Knute Eliason. Uh, I'm glad you guys got him in the booth. I think it's going to be a great episode, and I'm hyped to see what you guys come up with. You're fired. Um, Knute, my guest question for you is, after all the years riding for Nitro, it seems we've had some fallen soldiers to, to the Big B, and I was curious your thoughts on... Uh, Nitro being a farm team for Burton. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, maybe they've just been poaching your vision a bit, buddy. Much love. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. Ah, yeah. I mean, it kind of sucks. But, honestly, I think in snowboarding, all of us are farm teams to Burton. And that's not a bad like that's not a bad thing. They're the top dog. They're the number one. They're the ones who can facilitate and give these people the comfort and 
whatever that they need. Money. It's not even, yeah, it's money, but it's also like they have the resources and they have the 35 team managers who are there. You know what I mean? You got firepower. (laughs) Yeah, they got, they got the goods. They're the, they got the goods. So I have no, a lot of people always tell me like, yeah, fuck those guys. That's so fucked up for them. But I personally have no hate like towards that whatsoever. I totally see why they want these riders. These like Zoe fucking rips. Yeah, these riders, Zoe, rip, that's, right? that's a tough one. Who else we got? Uh, uh, Ilfa? Ilfa, yep. Ilfa as well. Zoe, Ilfa. Zebulon? Zebulon. God, Zeb, Zeb is the best, dude. That's a tough pill to swallow. No way. Zeb. No way. I'm just saying, yeah. You no. guys had him. You had him. Yeah, but he's in a better spot. Like, that's what I mean. There's no, I have no hate or anything towards it. Like, all those people, when they got it, I was like, oh, I mean, with the Zeb one, it was sick because it was kind of going back and forth for a little bit. And then they came, like, swinging. And I was it literally called him, like, Dude, you are fucking hyped. Dude, take it. And he did, and it was awesome. So I'm all for it. It's like for the rider. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want the riders to be bigger than the brand, and we shouldn't be bigger than the riders. Mm-hmm. You know, let them do their thing. So I have no hate for it. On a working level, when I have to go face all of our distributors and all the sales reps, and they're looking at me like this, what did you do? Again? <laughs> <laughs> How do you keep letting this happen? And I have to stand on stage with my bald head just sweating. <laughs> We have 42 other riders <laughs> around the world, and then everyone's like, yeah, like an AM, like you have a global AM team. We have like a pro team, and they're all on Burton now. <laughs> that part sucks. So like when I'm standing there trying to defend the situation, but on a personal level, and it, also for the brand, it's fine. Yeah. It's, I'm just hyped for them. It's cool. And then all the other riders are still on the team, like, man, that's fucked up. I'm like, yeah, it does. I mean, it does suck, but it's cool. Navigated that well. Interesting. I mean, I could just go on a total rant here and just like fucking go to town, but I'm not going to do that. No, it's, it's, but it's I wouldn't, fun. but I honestly wouldn't do that either because it is like I'm hyped for the writers that they get their shine and Burton. They should be supporting the best writers in the fucking world. Yeah. They should be the top dog. They should be the Yankees. We need that. So all of us other ones, the underdogs, can just be swinging at them, swinging at them, swinging at them, swinging at them. Because <laughs> that's what makes it fun. It would suck if we're all just like, yeah, everything's just great. We're all equal. We need to have a number one. And they do a pretty good job being number one, I think. Mm-hmm. And also, let's be honest, they got a target on their back, too, just being Burton. So. They have a target on their back on all levels, mm-hmm. those people. Which is cool, though. That's how it should be. Yeah, that's what happens when you're... Look at, look at the Tom we, Brady, you know? Look at the, yeah, I mean, every, every world needs a villain and a bunch of superheroes below them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there it's, we go. Uh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Fun conversation. Um, okay, let's change gears. We didn't really talk about where you're from and where you grew up. I know you have a unique upbringing, uh, kind of multinational human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from Minnesota, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My mom's from Minnesota, and my dad's from Norway. And uh, they met at college, whatever. They got married, had us kids. I grew up in Minnesota playing all sports, hockey, tennis, golf, baseball, basketball, whatever. And really found a liking to snowboarding. But at that time, there was no snowboard parks where I was living. So I joined the ski team, ski racing team, so I could travel with the team to go to the different resorts to ride the parks. And the ski coach was like this, uh, he was pretty kind of famous twin-tip skier back in the day. And he would bring me in front of everyone and be like, you guys should do what Canute does, just like ski and then snowboard. Because snowboarding is so much thicker. And that really built this foundation of like confidence maybe in me to follow this. Yeah, and I did all that stuff. Did USASA, was national uh, border cross champion USASA, 12 wow. and under. Didn't know that. Didn't have that on the stats sheet. Yep, won that. Got my name in snowboarder mag. Like it said, USA national, first place, canoe license. 
Border Girls, U12. Sick. Also came eighth place to Sean White in uh, Halfpipe and uh, Soap Cell at that event. Then I realized I sucked. <laughs> My run was like straight air, straight air, straight air, backside nine off the side hit of the landing. Opted out not to hit the last jump. Hit the side of the landing. Mm. Back nine, no grab. Sean White, cab five, front five, under flip. I was just like, yep, and I'm a border cross guy. <laughs> and, and whatever, that's that was fun. It was just fun snowboarding, had fun. Did, what, didn't want to do anything in snowboarding. It wasn't trying to be like, this is what I'm going to do. But when I was 15, my parents decided to move from Minnesota to Norway to show us kids that there's more to the world than just uh, middle America thinking. And uh, we moved to Norway, hated it, like hated it, because came from a just pretty normal school in the U.S., moved to Norway, couldn't speak Norwegian, didn't know anyone there, 15 years old, puberty, it's fucking weird. Hated it, but then I just went to the, the local snowboard hill there, and then I found some other snowboarders there, and just that became my friend group. So basically snowboarding has always kind of been with me and helped me navigate life. And then my parents, on, during Christmas, were over there. My parents, like, split up. They got divorced. Or they, they like, split up during Christmas. And my dad told me, like, uh, while we're driving to the hill, <laughs> it was fucking, it was, like, sad. But now I think about it. it's so funny. He's just like, we just had Christmas breakfast. He's like, can you get in the car? We'll bring you to the hill. And I'm totally ignorant. Just like, yeah, this is going to be such a sick day. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Oh, Dad, hurry up. We're late. Come on. And he's like, get in the car. He's driving, and he's all quiet. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to be late. My friends are waiting at the parking lot. Dad, hurry up. He's like, ah, so me and your mom are splitting up. And I was just sitting there like, what? Didn't expect this at all because they kind of hid it from us and kind of suppressed it from there on and always used snowboarding as my escape from fam- like from that. From that moment on, I was always like, I'm going snowboarding. I'm going snowboarding. Use that to just get away from life and problems and stuff. And that's when I really got into snowboarding. And I met lots of people. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of deep, but that's... Well, that's amazing. That's that's really yeah. uh, relatable for a lot of people, and thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And then in Norway, you guys, you were riding... There were some elites around your... No, so what happened... So I'm in this town, Lillehammer, Norway. Yeah. There, there's some There's some good... There's this guy, Roger Yemps, is doing. He's from there. He won X Games Big Air a few times, towed a Big Air. I actually saw him at X Games on the East Coast when it was at Mount... Was it at Mount Snow? One yeah. Day? yeah I, Mount I was Snow. there. I, yep. My dad brought me there. That was cool. Saw him win it. Also met Sean Palmer at that event. Have a $100 bill with his signature on it. Sick. Pretty dope. Kind of fucked up. Asked my dad, like, hey, do you have any money for... I need him to sign me. Gives me a $100 bill. And he's like, that was actually... Like, we're going to use that for food today? <laughs> I'm like, you can't use this now? Whatever. So, <laughs> so in Norway, go to, this, go to this school. And I find out there's a snowboarding school nearby. So I do everything I can to leave my family that's broken at this moment to, <laughs> to like, escape. So I'm going to snowboard school, get there, meet a kid named Steon Solberg. He's like, you can, you can live with me because you have to live in the place. And I was like, oh, cool. So I go to his house, and I walk in his house, and there's, like, it's, like, a nice house. There's all these covers on the wall, like Pleasure Magazine, Trans World, all these covers. And there's, like, this pink bunny suit, like, hanging in the, like, on the clothing rack when I walk in. And I'm looking around, I'm like, Steon Solberg, oh, cool, such a cool, it's so nice to meet you, Steon, this is going to be crazy, like, just met you. Look around, and then his brother walks in, he's like, hey, I'm JP. I was like, JP Solberg? And this was when he was at the high of the high when he was doing that shit. So yeah, uh, my true introduction to professional snowboarding was living with JP Solberg when he was bunny suit guy. Holy shit, transcendence. Transcendence. I heard a funny story that uh, the 
principal or the owner of the school had a bidding war for the house JP was in? in. Yeah, yeah. JP is a legend, dude. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's, at this moment, or when I met him, he was probably 19. He had just left the school, or 19 or 20, just left the school. But when he was in school, he was like, uh, I mean, he was getting paid so much money. He was getting paid so much money, and he would go to sleep. This isn't the bidding war, but he would go to sleep in class, economics class, and the teacher would always wake him up, like, Jay, you have to pay attention. This is school. If you keep sleeping, I'm going to fail you. And he would, one time he just stood up, he's like, I'm probably going to buy this school later and turn it into a rental property. <laughs> go, <laughs> go back to sleep. And he did the same thing with the principal, bidding war with the principal. And then he ends up winning. He tells the principal that he beat him in the bidding war. And then that was the house that you're living in? That was the house I was living in. <laughs> Dude, imagine going to school and then outbidding your principal in high school was, for the house, it right? Was, yeah, it was insane. <laughs> That's it, was a, it was a totally warped view of what was to come from my professional sobering <laughs> career. Because I saw this. I mean, he would come back from these trips and just have like a, literally like a Louis Vuitton suit on. And I'd be like, you get like free Volcom clothes. He's like, I would never wear like garbage. Because <laughs> he was at that status of, he was getting paid lots of money. And he, at that time, was the, probably besides maybe him and Marco, like two bestie, at least he jump was, He it was, was insane. St- like at that time, anywhere you went in the world, it was just little mini JPs in the park. Yeah. Everyone had the goggle sag. Everyone had like the Burton Ronin outfit on. Yeah. Their stances were wide and no one would flail and no one would ever like do anything crazy. It was just a little mini, mini guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was legendary. That was an amazing time. I was super lucky. Yeah, my whole life I've just been lucky getting into this. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Bub's Naturals. Now, they got a couple new products out there. They got the electrolyte mix called Hydrate or Die. You just take these little packets, you dump them in your water, and you get yourself nice and hydrated. The good thing about these ones is they're not packed full of sugar, which a lot of them are. So they're healthy. There's over 2,000 milligrams of electrolytes. They're vegan. There's no added sugar. They're soy-free, non-GMO, gluten-free. No artificial covers, colors, flavors, or preservatives. I use them on a daily basis, and I'm not BSing you. They're, they're great. So I like the lime flavor. That's my favorite. Keeps me hydrated. Uh, they also got a new product, the Bubs Brew, their new coffee. Uh, it's the first ever coffee bean to be Whole30 approved. And they also support your local snowboard podcast, The Bombhole. So why not support companies that support The Bombhole? And, of course, they got their collagen, which is great as you get older. Collagen protein, great for your skin, great source of protein, great for your nails, and great for, like, regenerating your bones if you're going through an injury. Just great for your overall health. So be sure to check out bubsnaturals.com, and you can use promo code BOMBHOLE and save 20% off your order. Again, bubsnaturals.com, promo code BOMBHOLE, save 20% off and support a company that supports snowboarding. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about hippies. Now, these are chips that are made with chickpeas. They're good for you. And let me tell you something. We hammer these things at the bomb hole office. Might put down two, three bags a day. You can see these things at your local grocery store if you're in Whole Foods browsing the aisles and you see some hippies. Be sure to pick them up because they're packed full of flavor. I got the nacho vibes in front of me. They're non-GMO. And the thing I like is that they're healthy, but it doesn't feel like you're chewing on a piece of cardboard like a lot of health foods. So you can find them at your local grocery store or hippies.com, and you can use promo code BOMBHOLE 
Save 20% off your order at hippies.com. Again, that's promo code BOMBHOLE, 20% off at hippies.com. And support a company that supports snowboarding and your local snowboard podcast. All right, we're going to take a quick break and get into run-through-a-wall trivia. Presented by Run-Through-Wall Smelling Salts, we are excited to announce we have the Brick. It is a three-salt pack. You save some money. It says, say no to doors. Pop, sniff, perform. It's just a premium product. Great for the holidays. Uh, you know, everybody wants a three-pack of smelling salts. So get yourself the the uh, run-through-a-wall brick. That, now, thing, that thing's sick. I might get one. Yeah, you might have to get one. Yeah. Might get you like a 5% off code. I can get you a discount I'll code. I'll pay a dollar. Yeah. Full retail. So uh, how this works, we went Norwegian snowboard trivia on you. Oh, God. So this could be bad for your credibility if you don't get it right. Uh, we do have an intro song, but I think I erased it, so we got no intro song today. So um, do I need do I need some bricks? Do I need some salts? You got salts. Oh, that big jug is filled with salts. Oh, what if I'm allergic to salt? Uh, well, it's not salt; it's ammonia, so you should be good. Nice. So, so how how it works is <laughs> don't uh, eat them. Yeah, don't eat them. Um, and how it works is if you get the question wrong, you got to do salt. Um, Silk, maybe we can drop in the intro right now. Yep. Smelling salt. So how it works, too, is like, what, if you get the question wrong, I'm going on the next one. It's it's rapid fire. So I just have to inhale these. You got to be, yeah, you, you got to, and every time hit a new one, because it's more fun now. Is this, is this where you brought me on the podcast? I count down. You count down. Okay. He's got five seconds. Yeah. Okay, first question. What Norwegian snowboarder got second at Sochi Olympics? Solo sound back next. That's correct. Fat. In 2006, who got third in women's halfpipe? Five, four, three, three two. Burros? That's oh, correct. God yes. damn it. I really didn't want you to get this. Uh, who back rodeo seven the DCP cliff? Five, four, I'll let you I'm gonna three, it in. Keep it going. two, one. Andreas <laughs> That's correct. Okay. Who is also a total boss. He, I, kids today don't know how good he was. We're Dude. we're still in this. We sorry, go back sorry, to that. sorry. We're I'm still just to buy some time. <laughs> what is the term for an Andreas? Stop breathing into the mic. Who is that? <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> I'm nervous, dude. I don't want to hit this. People are gonna tune out if they hear the hot breath on the microphone. Jesus Christ. Okay, what is the term for an Andreas wig back radio seven in Norway? Five. Oh no. Four. Total blank. Three. Two. Otter. One. I don't think he got it. I got it, the otter. I'll just uh, hit did it. Did he get it? One. Oh! Oh! <laughs> it's the otter flip. That's, That's what it. I said. I said the otter flip. <laughs> He's too good. Oh! He's too good. Okay. Stupid. Why did I do that? Who got second <laughs> in men's half pipe in Nagano? Five, four, three. Daniel two. Frank. Damn it. He's good. Dude, I love snowboarding. Okay. You're... Sports, especially the competition side. Who has Ender? <laughs> In TB2, five. See, I was four, sports. I three, don't like films. Two, one. <laughs> I th He didn't get it. You got to do a salt. It is Terrier, but I got, got the buzzer it. before. He just wanted to hit the salt. God. You, how close? Do you, okay. Keep okay. Get it close. Who set the record for the longest jump with a front three in 2005? Miles Johnson. Five. Four. <laughs> He's good. What Norwegian <laughs> snowboarder is known for falling asleep everywhere? Torger Burger. Five. Sleepy Torger at sleepytorger.com, not .com. At These are too Instagram. easy for him. Okay, which Norwegian snowboarder has record for highest quarter pipe air? Norwegian Five, snowboarder. Four, Terry Hawkinson. Three. Okay. Two. Bonus question. Mm -hmm. 
How high was it? Mm, it was under. It was Five, like nine point eight, three, nine point eight meters or something. That, like that. It was exactly nine point eight. God, dude, I, this guy is. I mean, <laughs> wow. I will also share. I will also share how I know all this stuff. It's because your head. Your head. <laughs> <laughs> There's like an extra storage unit in the front here. That uh, yeah, that's just where all the information goes. <laughs> So for the people that are listening, he was uh, referencing his huge head. Um, What's forehead. the saying? Do the drapes match the carpet? <laughs> carpet match the drapes. Carpet match the drapes. <laughs> We're still in run through all trivia. Uh, sorry, sorry, stay sorry. on target here. Which five, which four. snowboarder did the first ever triple cork on a jump? Five, four. You mean three, the guy who ruined snowboarding? Torstein Horgmo. Oh damn it. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's for Torso. You know for burning a legend. How? Whoa. Okay, I, I don't think you're gonna get this one. How many X Games medals does Torstein have? Five, four, three, two, one. Eight. <laughs> Not correct. Seventeen. Seventeen. Oh, I must have just stopped Google watching said. X that's Games when says. he started. I guess. Seventeen. Is, okay. is this the part where we all hit assault? Uh, well, there's one more question. More. One more oh, question. Okay. Who is the youngest snowboarder to do a triple cork? Five, four, three. Uh, it's two, changing now, dude. One, it's not. You're zero. just wrong. Marcus Cleveland. That's not. <laughs> was it? It Marcus was Marcus Cle- Cleveland. Yeah, but it's. But uh, now has it changed? Have, there's probably like 30, 30 kids out there who've done triple corks by the age of eleven. Okay, well, I would like to throw Torgier under the bus because he told me that question to ask. No, so I mean, at, at, at one moment in time, that was true. But I think within the last two years, that, that has changed. Should we do a communal run through a wall? Yeah. Can I get one of those? Yeah, here. Sharpen me up a bit over here. Do you ever, like, inhale it in your mouth on accident? No. Okay, I did Don't that. do that. I, I did that. Just for the nose. Oh! I oh. oh! That's a strong one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Dude, a good batch. Silk, you hit one? Oh, yeah. Good okay. batch. Uh, the bombhole.com. Shout out to Silk. I'm a big fan of Silk fan. Dude, Silk's Thank got you. a nice haircut yeah. right now. He's got like Thank very you. straight bangs, and then yeah. like a party in the back. That's yeah. what it's all about. But yeah, I think uh, I think um, for sure nowadays there's probably there must be at least fifteen twenty kids under the age of eleven. Put that behind you. Um, the do, brick. Do the, you enjoy watching your eyes that are kind of? Uh, yeah, my eyes are definitely watering. Do you enjoy watching that type of snowboarding where it's you know like you were talking earlier where it's. A twenty-one. What is it? Twenty-one sixty. Twenty-one sixty. I think. Twenty-one sixty. What do I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. I love all. It sounds whack. But I think it's so sick. Like, I love all types of snowboarding. And the progression right now is fucked up. And if you think it's whack, then you whack. Where do you I think, think it's gonna end? It's not gonna end. It'll never end. That's stupid. Isn't it like physically impossible? Nothing's to spin physically past impossible. Spin. More than a certain amount. Just make a bigger jump, dude. That's what they're gonna do. Bigger airtime, safer jumps. That's what happened. That's why snowboarding is where it is today because of guys like Charles Beckinsale, or actually because of a skier named John Olson. He changed the whole jump with David Benedict. Made it way safer. It is interesting though. We were talking about this off air. You go ride a resort with bad park jumps, and you're like, "Do I know what I'm doing?" And then you go ride a jump. With a good park jump that's like poppy, but you don't go that fast with a nice landing, nice gradual, like long, like big. You want a big pile of snow for a good jump, mm-hmm. you know, where you have a long gradual takeoff, nice steep landing, and it's poppy. And you go ride good jumps, you're like, I'm a golden god. Yeah, you're invincible. You can hit a jump that's probably 90 feet, or you get 90 feet, you get two two seconds some airtime. You could land on your head, and if it's built right, you're instantly like. Oh my god! I got it. I'm gonna try again. Yeah, those Beckinsale jumps. Yeah, Charles like Beckinsale changed the game. 
he's kind of the reason for the progression of snowboarding right now, I think. And that's sick. And that's sick. Yeah, I, like to back to your question, Bob, I, I like watching it. It's fun. Because the slams are harder now, too. So it's kind of dope. <laughs> Dude, and then, you, you know, it's also crazy. Yeah, like Takaru, when he goes for the quad front side, he like gets annihilated like X Games. But when you watch like uh, Suyu Ming, when he grabs, he's yoinking that thing. He's doing, he's doing like 1980s and they're fucking yoinked. Like he, he's poking the shit out of them. Chilling. It's, I went this year with this movie we we're making called Layers. I went to China, I went to Tiger Ridge. And rode with. I've been uh, there before. Yeah. So you've been to Tiger Ridge. Mm-hmm. Wow, what? A, how would you? Why did you? Solomon, Solomon, like distribution tour back in the day. Sick. It's yeah. a crazy place. So I was there, and he was riding, and there was like, like hundreds of kids riding. I only knew swimming, and all these other kids. Fifty of them were thought they might die at any moment. <laughs> so I literally, I'm just like, how is this even respond? Is there an adult here who should tell the kids not to go? <laughs> and the other fifty were so good. But Sui Ming was the best. But like you said, when he when he rides, he does like a 1980, and you're just like, damn, that's the sickest back five I've ever seen. Because he just does it so good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do like watching the progression of it now. It's cool. Now, Are they jumping into airbags just out of curiosity? Not there. Not there. Not there. Not there. But with the, what's happening now is like summer boarding is airbag boarding. So right now with the, I mean, I'm going to call the next four years the year of Japan. It'll be all Japanese slope cell winners, half pipe, whatever, because they've been riding airbags for a decade now in the summertime all the time. Yeah. And that, that's what we had Zach on group chat, and he had just went over to New Zealand for the early season. He was saying, um, was it Kokomo? Yep. That just did the, what should you do, back 12, cab 12? Cab, yeah, all the 12s. Yeah, cab 12, I think it was. N- 12, no, it was. Um, or 16? 16, yeah. Yeah. 12. Sorry, yeah. Uh, and she had just done it a million times in the bag and then just took it to snow real easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. Who else was there? Someone else. I was, t- I was, t- when, um, oh, the dude did a back to back 19s, all four 19s. Uh, Tyga has Tyga. I texted Marcus Cleveland and instantly I saw that I actually forwarded it, like sent the Instagram forward that post to Marcus. And I was like, you're probably not going to win next time either, dude. <laughs> and, and he was like, and he texted back like someone had a good bag summer. but that's what it is it's just training repetition and they get it and the jumps are good they're safe is steamer hitting bag uh, steamer hits bag but he only does like funny tricks on the bag that's Mm -hmm. his philosophy he's like an old school dude like a torgier or that you know i mean he's from that old school mentality where he already but he already had he's he was lucky it's not fair to say like oh i never hit a bag that's why i'm better than this person who hits a bag they grew up riding, so they built their foundation on snow, right? So they were at a place where they could do 1260s, 16, 1600s, where the other kids couldn't. They had to start from zero. And you start from, like, Sui Ming could only do, like, a 540 before, like, four years before the Olympics. He wanted to be the best. To do that, to expen- exponentially get better faster, he had to use the tools in front of him, which would be bag, where all the other guys slowly were going with the progression over time. But, yeah, Steamer... He just hits a bag and does funny tricks. He does all the tricks he wishes he could do, but is too scared to do. Like a weird, like, gnarly double backflip and stuff like that. That's what he'll be doing. And the air awareness is just unbelievable. They're so good. Like, I was in Sausfade two years ago watching all these people train for the season. They did this thing called Stomping Grounds there. Charles Beckinsale makes it. And I've never seen such good snowboarding my whole life in dead silence. Like, there's coaches there. They're all there because they have to be focused because you could, could die at any moment. But then there's my dumbass 
roll up, all the kids are there training, coaches are on iPads, and just see the jump, like, oh, sick. Hit the jump, do 360, do a method, try to go back up, eat shit on one of the jumps where I lose my goggles, like, fuck up the whole session, have to hike up the thing, (laughs) get back onto the knuckle, and I'm up there, I'm like, God, this is so sick. Like, 18 over me, double rodeo, Sven's there, triple backs there, rodeo, I'm just like, fuck, yeah, what, what, this is insane, yes, yes, look around, all the coaches, there's like, yeah, could you just like be a little more chill? Like we're trying to like talk here, and you're a huge distraction. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh shit, yeah, this is actually like a serious training progression session." And I'm a dumbass. It's like, yeah, yeah, but they're so fucking cool to see that kind of snowboarding. Blows my mind. Mm. Isn't that kind of what like that attitude and that approach? Where like I feel like the progression and like the way people push each other with being hyped, it like elevates all the borders That's versus like sitting on an iPad and being like, well, you need to twist your shoulder a little bit more to the right. And then, um, yeah, that, and then I think you're going to land it. I have no idea. I can't even snowboard, but I am your coach. <laughs> it's like me being a coach. So but at least I would be hyped like you. I'd be like, fuck yeah, you got this shit. What did he do? I No, yeah, you got that. It's true. I mean, that's where, that's how I am, but that's, I think, also how people get hurt. Right, they take it like on a serious level where it isn't like you fucking could do it, yeah, dude. They're like, honestly, like you have a five percent margin of dying right now, so <laughs> take it easy. We'll save it for tomorrow. Where I'm there, like, let's film it right now, iPhone clip, let's fucking go. <laughs> I think that's the difference. They're at this level. It's like so beyond what we're used to. Of like, you can, you can hype someone up to do anything, but you can't you can't hype someone up to be good and be able to execute it perfectly, I guess. And that's where you need the strategy and the coach and someone who's calming you down. Because imagine how hyped those guys are in their head before they hit the, or girls, before they hit the jump. Oh, my God. This is fucking going to be insane. Oh! <laughs> and they land it. They, you have to, have to be, like, chill. You can't just be like, um, you can't be, who would be, you can't be Sam Taxwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just got, I'm going to go quad, man. That's why he's hurt all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sam needs a coach in the streets, actually. Bob, you could be, you could bring the iPad to the streets for him. Yeah, I think Van should have invested into like an iPad coach for him when he was filming oh. his videos. <laughs> Sam, we're going to have to drop this one. Yeah, it's not looking good for you. There's a pole in the landing. That's a guaranteed reg flight for you. <laughs> Who needs that? Do you know what I love about Stax is that homie doesn't warm up. Like, he no. fucking commits first try. Mm-hmm. First try. Oh, yeah. well, he He's had, not, like, warming up. He's going for it. He's going for it. We had a... We had a like a hip shoot. This dude, Mark, Mark Swoboda, night OG, night to Oh, OG. Yeah, dude, you gotta, he's let's underrated. Give him horn. I was a big fan. Of him. Dude, he had the best style. He could do, he could do, he could do everything. He's, he was amazing. But he had this idea to make the world's, he wanted to do the world's highest air on a hip with Red Bull. This place called Horn in Austria. And we're making a movie and he, he hits us up like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to be a section in the movie. We're like, oh, I'm sick. We don't have to pay for it. World's biggest hip. Perfect. Clickbait. Let's do it. Go. Call up Sam. Sam, do you want to come hit this hip? He's not thinking. He's like, yeah, I'm down. Slowly down. Let's go do it. Get to this hip. It's massive. Mark Sabota's there. Arthur Longo's there. Terrier's there. And Sam Taxwood's there. All these, the four, like the other guys are all, they have a, a chance. I, I, I sent <laughs> Sam there for the Austrian experience <laughs> to just go there to be like, oh, let's go to Austria. This is awesome. Sam drops in. Doesn't even warm up. Goes to, like, I don't know. He must have went, like, at least 10, like, 30 feet out, like, kind of first hit. Terry is so intimate. He doesn't even hit the thing anymore. He pulls out the snow skate. 
That's how Sam is. He just goes all in. He he he. Ter- yeah, Sam put fucking Terry on a snow skate. Sick. <laughs> the best thing about sneaks is like he's either gonna have the best video part you've fucking ever seen, or he's gonna have two clips because he got bodied. But you're 100%. never gonna get anything yep. in the middle. You're yep. not gonna get anything. You're not gonna get a just kind of like middle of the road. And a weird. And, and this, we go there for the highest air on a hip. And the trick Sam does is, what is he does. Back alley, back to seventy switch method. Oh, I remember that. It's sick, but I just remember being like, "What is that? That's not a trick. You don't do that." And he did it, but I was like, "Sam, idiot, greatest what, guy." One thing you mentioned earlier too, um, you know, for people that want to get sponsored, they want to they want to become a pro, and you're you're a team manager and you're a marketing manager, and you're a social media manager, and you're a product video guy, and you're all of it. But uh, what is it? What does an ideal team rider look like from your perspective? I mean, there's so many different ways to approach this question. First one would be don't even try. Just don't try to be sponsored. It's gonna, if it's going to happen for real for you, it's going to happen for real. And then uh, the next thing is uh, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work. You're not just going to be cool and get sponsored. You have to put in the work. Yes, some people are just cool and they end up being sponsored and everyone in the industry loves them. They completely suck. (laughs) There's those people out there, but they're just cool and just lucky. That's just like a a lucky situation. Don't compare yourself to that person. Yeah, don't be like a Chris Grenier. It's hard to start a (laughs) podcast after a a really good career. Okay career, but thank you. It's still going. But it took a lot of work. Like It didn't come natural for you. Snowboarding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it did come natural. No, no. not at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So it, you have to put in the work, one hundred percent. But dude, coming to pro snowboarder now is that is batshit crazy talk because there's so many good snowboarders, and the industry is I think uh, failing or letting down supporting these snowboarders, supporting these heroes, right? Because a lot of brands are thinking more about how to maximize their direct sales to consumers and really forgetting to support those riders that are the key pillars in the local snowboard communities. And that's where you're going to lose most of the potential pros. If you don't get support from your local community, then why would you continue on to try to be better unless you're a total psychopath? So it's hard. It's hard. I, I mean, there's the only advice I would give anyone just straight up is just like, don't try, but if you really, really want to go for it, then you have to go balls, balls first, just go all in and scare yourself every single day, and you have to be better than everyone else out there. That's the only way to really make it. Yeah. That's yeah. great advice. And good luck doing that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, like I said, there's 10-year-old kids who can do triple corks. Mm-hmm. Good luck. I'd start golfing. It'd be easier. <laughs> and then if you turn pro, you actually make a bunch of money. Yeah, with golfing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Snowboarding, you got to be top two. I think there's two people that make a lot of money. Who's the but two? No one's Who's, the two? Who's the two? Mark Who's Mick does good. Mark McMorris, number number one, Travis Rice. Good luck being that. <laughs> it's it's like a pop, but that's the thing with snowboarding. No one fucking does it to do that, right? Yeah. People will comment all the time, like, I want to be pro. All you really want is free trip and free gear. That's all I think anyone really wants. And then once you get that, you're like, oh, I'm entitled to this. Oh, I need a house. I'm putting my body on the line. I need this and this and this. Because you can, you become an adult. And your other friends are getting jobs and they're getting this and this and this and you want to be on par with them. But I think most people who are in snowboarding, they just want the experience. Mm -hmm. And snowboarding can give you these experiences if you let it. And the brands can also give you these experiences. 
if you let them. Yeah, it's good stuff. Weird. I always think about sometimes now, you know, if you really love... Also, being a press number, a lot of times, like, especially street, video part, backcountry, like, cheese wedge person, you're basically a pro shoveler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you want to go pro, then you, you you better not like snowboarding. Yeah, exactly. And and I think about if you really want to be, like, you love snowboarding, you want to do it all the time, get a great job that allows you to snowboard a lot in the winter. Yeah, 100%. Then you'll ride way more than any pro, except for the contest guys, because they... They got to figure it out. If you really love snowboarding, do contests and become a contest pro, because then you get to ride all the time, all the time, with your friends, all the time, every single day. iPads. <laughs> iPads are everywhere stuff. too, which is great. No, but I like I have um, admiration for all those contest kids because they live in these little units with their best friends and they travel the world and they don't have to think about anything. They just get to ride their snowboards and they get better and better and better. Where the other aspect of it is like the filming situation and they're just working all the time. You're literally working all the time and not boarding. Mm-hmm. You come into filming with a level this high and you leave filming with a level below the table skill yeah, level totally, yeah. <laughs> because you don't snowboard yeah it's true. you're just creating content and building spots and arguing with your friends of who's better <laughs> where on the contest and you're not arguing you're like dude i'm gonna one-up you this is gonna be sick you're doing it all right we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about sunbum now it's important for you guys to know you can still get sunburned in the winter so be sure to apply sunscreen if you're gonna do that might as well use sunbum because they support snowboarding and snowboarders. Their team is incredible. They got Parker Zumowski, they got Steffi Luxton, Jed Anderson, Blake Paul, Jill Perkins, Brian Fox. We're talking stacked roster of snowboarders. They also support the bomb hole, which we love. And they have the mineral stick that I keep in my pocket when I go snowboarding. It's small, it's like a little mini glue stick. And you can always keep it in your pocket when you ride and keep yourself from getting roasted like a Kenny Rogers chicken out there. Now, a lot of people don't know that they carry a full line of sun care, skin care, hair care, lip care. They got kids and baby SPF protection. I got the shampoo at my house. And let me tell you something. It keeps my lettuce shiny, flowing well. And you know who else must use it? You ever seen Blake Paul snowboard without a hat on? You ever see that lettuce flowing out there? Well, that's Sunbum in there all day. So if you're interested in purchasing some, some Sunbum, you can check out your local surf shop, snowboard shop, or of course you can go to sunbum.com and use promo code THEBOMBHOLE for 15% off. Again, sunbum.com, promo code THEBOMBHOLE, and save 15% off your order, and your hair can be looking just like Blake Paul's out there. All right, winter is here. In some places, it's on its way. And the stage is set across more than 50 of the best destinations around. It's time to grab your Icon Pass and drop in on the good stuff that awaits. December 14th is your last chance to buy an Icon Pass before they go off sale for the season. They got 10 countries, almost as many languages, and endless ways to play. Now is the moment to pull out the map and start planning for the good stuff you'll score at bombhole beloved destinations like Mammoth, Steamboat, Big Sky, Snowbird, and many others. Of course, home mountain missions are never to be shunned because days with the crew and some well-known turns are what make the season fun. In fact, Icon Pass has an option for every rider in your crew. They got options starting from $319 adult. The Icon Session Pass provides two, three, or four days of access to select destinations. Or, for the more frequent rider, the Icon Pass unlocks the most access with no blackout dates to all 50-plus destinations. 
Once you've got your pass, you're automatically a member of a mountain-minded community who receive access to streaming entertainment from Outside Plus and Paramount Plus, exclusive offers from brands like Smith, discounts on lift tickets for friends and family, not to mention discounts on food, beverage, and retail purchases. Yep, it's all good, and it's waiting for you. But remember, December 14th is your last chance to buy an Icon Pass before they go off sale for the season. Claim your pass. The good stuff is coming at IconPass.com before it's too late. Let's go back to Canute uh, on a snowboard pre-industry guy. Uh, video parts. We got um, Transworld Video. Yep. Broke my ankle in February, beginning of February for that one. I haven't had the best videos parts ever. I've always had bad luck. And I've also always... Uh, I've So like I was saying, I've been together with my wife for a long-ass time. And me personally, probably because of like what I was saying with my dad and my family situation, I've always valued my relationship with her more than snowboarding. So I have made tons of sacrifices. Not even sacrifices. I have chosen her over many other things to pursue in snowboarding, which I will tell team people, like, um, if you want to be really good at snowboarding, really good at anything, you have to go all in 100%, right? And that comes with a lot of costs. But you can also do pretty okay. And also have another side of your life. You can have a balanced life. But that's a choice you have to make. And I did that from the very beginning where I was going to spend a lot of time with my lady. That's what I wanted to do. And that did affect my, I think, professional snowboard career for sure. But I was okay with it. Anyways, back to the, the video kids part. still log some A grades, though. Mm. I still got some stuff, and it was really, it's really fun. I was a big nose press guy, cab spinner. It was awesome. Cab backside? Cab backside. But my, I don't know, I just liked. I like just snowboarding. I wasn't in it for like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to show you how fucking snowboarding should look like. It was always when I go, I'm like, I'm going to have so much fun with my friends and I'm going to have some good turns, I guess. So at what point did you decide to pivot from being a uh, pursuing the career to team manager, but still hitting the jumps at Super Park? Um, it was, I got done with university because the whole time I was doing snowboarding stuff, I was going to school too. So I got done with the university and then, then I was kind of trying to think like, okay, I need to make enough money so I can just snowboard. So I'm going to get a job somewhere. But then at this moment, one of my good homies and the guy who kind of brought me into snowboarding, Tonino, who's from Salt Lake, huge air horn, best dude ever, who was the team manager for Nitro at the time, he left the team manager position. And he told me to call Sepp, who's the owner of Nitro Snowboards. He's like, you should call Sepp and uh, like, see if you could do it. And I thought that was so weird because it's like your big brother. He was my idol. Now he's leaving. I'm going to take over for him. And I thought that was weird. So I didn't do it. And then Sepp, the owner, called me. He's like, you should, like, we really want you to be the team manager. You'd be perfect fit. And I was like, I don't think I should do this. And then I called Tonino again afterwards. I'm like, I don't know if I should do it. He's like, you're an idiot. You should do it. It's the best job ever. So then I'm like, okay, cool. Then it did it. And then I became team manager and then snowballed since then. I don't know. I was just trying to make enough money to keep snowboarding. That's all I wanted to do. Like, it's always been my escape. And I got super lucky timing-wise, done with school, team manager, friend, quits his position, opens up, I step in. 15 years later, I'm still here. It's been sick. It's just lucky. Another thing, too, that's totally unrelated. Whoa. No glasses? No glasses. What's up with that? Uh, I got, uh, I lost them. I don't know where they are. Are they real glasses? Uh... They're prescription, yes. <laughs> They're like, podcast the Oakleys, glasses. The Oakleys are prescription. How long have you been wearing glasses? 
I got my eyes checked out because I couldn't fucking see at night. I couldn't gauge depth perception between cars. It's, it's more the middle of the day <laughs> when you film this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I, then I started wearing them. I don't really need them in the middle of the day. You don't. Yeah. yeah. But, and I lost them and I haven't been wearing them. Oh. Okay. But they are prescription. I started wearing the ones, the the fake ones, the blue blockers. Yeah, okay. Staring at the screen all day. So that's what those are that you normally wear, have been wearing. Are they the blue blockers? They're well, both. They're, both. So the the Oakley ones I have have the blue blocker technology and the their prescription for me to be able to see at night. Gotcha. I feel like I'm kind of a B grade Chris here. Not yeah. The real deal. Yeah. I don't have the glasses. Yeah. That's no, all good. It's all good. I got. I mean, I'm not responsible enough to. Keep, a pair keep of them. I don't know where the, they're, they're fucking it's expensive. It was like two hundred and fifty bucks or something per pair, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not that blind. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just threw me. Out. I was just midway through. I'm like, what the hell? I like it. Uh, we didn't mention your sister is an Greta. incredible skier. Let's give her an air horn. Yep. Uh, how was it growing up? She she competed on the highest levels. Right? X Games, gold medalist. She kind of was at the forefront of women's freestyle skiing. It's like her, Sarah Burke, that crew was like four girls who really paved the way for women's freestyle skiing. She's a total badass. She's the best. I am a shadow of hers. Does that make sense? Or I'm in your shadow? Yep. I'm this big. She's huge. But growing up together, she's one year younger than me. I had so much animosity and jealousy towards her because she was just doing it, and I was just not. (laughs) (laughs) She was, like, sponsored by Oakley, Red Bull, Armada, X Games, Gold, Flying Here, Boost Mobile, L1, Oakley Flow, Nitro Snowboards over here. I'm going to be a team manager. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Fast road to team manager position. (laughs) Yeah, she was the best. And I, yeah. We had a, we've always had a good relationship to each other, but for sure, she's, we're by like polar opposites of each other, 100%. It's been awesome. She's, the best story ever though is she's, uh, she's since day one been full like women's rights, women's sports, like huge advocate for it. Me, brother, total douche, total opposite, just total asshole. Our whole lives. And I'm devil's advocate all the time. That's like my, uh, probably the worst trait about me for others. I'm always pushing buttons. But for me, it's like my favorite thing. I love it. It's just so fun. I just love it. Gets me in a lot of trouble. And uh, so the whole life, we're battling each other. I'm like, yeah, women this. She's like, boys this. It's not fair. Blah, blah, blah. Back and forth. And then I have my first kid. And I I call Greta. And I'm like, hey, Greta, we found out the sex. She's like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Like, just nicest girl. I'm so happy for you guys. Everything's, is it going to be fine? Pregnancy's going to be like, your baby's healthy. It's awesome. And I found out what it's going to be. She's like, oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm like, it's a girl. She's like, ah! (laughs) 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 Karma! So now, uh, yeah, years later, I have three girls and she has two boys. (laughs) 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 That's That's so cool. Yeah, but yeah, got him. 12 boss. Ski legend. And I'm like a shadow of her kind of thing. Okay, uh, we got a guest question that, from Brian Fox. Here we go. Hello, bombhole. Driving. Hello, Canute. Hello. Obviously Hello, long. Christian. Yeah. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope the interview's been fun. Uh, yeah, question for you, Canute. Uh, yeah, kind of dive into the fact that you're, I'm not saying you're not from anywhere, but being from both Norway and the United States and splitting your time and then currently, you know, having one parent live in the United States, one parent live in Norway, your wife be Norwegian, you work for a German company, you spend a lot of time in the United States. Um, 
that you have a unique path uh, that I'd be interested to hear the like pluses and minuses of it and you know did it ever leave you feeling um, like detached from a community or did it give you like a larger scale attachment to like a global community and um, yeah would you want the same for your own kids or are you trying to give them a different life um, yeah. anyways Hope you're doing well. Uh, love you both. Adios. Adios, amigo. Thank you, Brian. Brian's the best. He's the... Uh, I don't know. He's, I can... He's the best. I think somehow he has life figured out in a way that a lot of us don't. But okay. at the same time, he's completely lost. He has no idea what he's doing. But thank <laughs> you for that question, Brian. I mean, Brian has... Yeah, he has a good global perspective, I think. Later on in life, he's gotten that. Um... I am fucking lucky to have a parent from one country and another from another country, and especially from Norway and the U.S. I mean, they're like two of the most freest, chillest places on there. I mean, it's like the gold card to have two of those passports. But it's definitely giving me a perspective on uh, understanding people and never judging anyone for what they are. Like I can, if some, if if Bob was over here right now telling me how much he loved Donald Trump, I would. In my mind, I'd be like, okay, I get it from his perspective. He can totally understand. I, I get it. That's where you're from. That's what you know. That's cool. You should know that. So I, I've learned an, uh, compassion or understanding to people for, for being a result of either their environment of where they're from and also just you don't have to be one way. There's no right way. And that's what I've learned from living in both places. Practically, it's so sick because Norway is awesome in the summer. I live there. We have free health care. That is amazing. I get to come to the U.S. and enjoy the freedom of everything in the U.S. that has has to offer. It's so big. Opportunity is everywhere. The energy and motivation of the people in the U.S. is amazing. It's like second to none. There's nowhere else in the whole world where people are so motivated that things will be better or it's going to get better. And that's amazing because most other countries are very, um, it's not negative, but pessimistic thinking, right? Like it's never going to be as good as it was. Where in the U.S., the mentality is always like, it's going to be better. It's going to be so sick. And that's amazing. And I get to have both of these traits with me because of my experiences doing that. So, yeah, I feel super lucky with that. And I want to share that with my kids, too. I mean, they come over from Norway, like I had said, three daughters. One's eight, one's five, one's two. So they're still young. But we spend about almost two months in the, in the U.S. in the summertime to show them that. They speak both languages? Yep, they speak Japanese, Korean, and Italian. They learn all this in Norway, Norwegian school. No way. Yeah, How many languages do you speak? Straight lie. I was, I was like, <laughs> wait, what? No, they, they, learn, they speak English and Norwegian. And don't you speak a couple other languages? I can Deutsch, yeah. The Deutsch? I can speak, I mean, I can understand almost all German. I'm pretty bad at speaking it, but I speak Norwegian and English. Okay. And then Swedish is similar to Norwegian, and so is Danish. I don't know. It's Amazing. What's your favorite German word? Do you remember? Oh, Osfart. Osfart. I love in the airport the when you see the, the Osfart signs everywhere. It's a big oh. fan of that. Osfart. Osfart. No, yeah, because that, like I said, Nitro is from, uh, it's a small town an hour south of Munich, Germany. It's called Obramagau. I think there's like 1,500 people who live there. There's a ski resort and a gondola that just goes up a mountain with no uh, maintenance of runs. So it's just free riding. Place is amazing, but I also have gained a really good understanding of like the German mentality, which is very like engineered focused, like do everything correctly, be straightforward, no bullshitting, which has helped me a lot in my business negotiations and navigating that because 
in the U.S., it's very like, yeah, man, cool. Let's, yeah, totally. I'll get back to you soon. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then the German mentality is super nice because it's just like, no, why not? I don't want to. But why? No. In the U.S., it'd be like, yeah, man, I'll get back to you next week with an email kind of thing. You just drag on and on and on. So it's, that's helped me a lot, getting that mentality of just saying, no, I don't want to. Which is cool. And I'm a really bad, as Bob knows from the beginning, probably the worst yes man of all time. I mean, again. So, I mean, sounds like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm down for everything. Like, yeah, yeah, too. Be happy. But now I've been, I've been, because of that, been really good at saying no to stuff. You know, I was thinking about our conversation earlier. Like, oh, back to, like, Brian asked the question. Oh, yeah. Brian Sorry to break it yep. off. About what I've learned. Through working for these companies, I've been able to say no to Brian for the last 10 years, <laughs> which sucks for him. But it also made it so we had this relationship going for so long, right? There was no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like it is what um, word is bond. Is that what they say? Can you say that? Is that arrogant to say? You can say that. Yeah. But say then it is want. like what someone says, then you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the key in life is to try your best to have your word be your bond. Like what you say, you do. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, then you'll live a really nice life with less stress. Mm-hmm. Hard to do. Integrity. Integrity. So I was thinking about the debate we had right out of the gate on the show about, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody, right? In I read a book recently. I think I've talked about it on air. I'm sorry. I repeat myself. There's not a lot of knowledge in this fucking head. We repeat shit on here. Anyway, I digress. You read it or it's book on tape? I Just, read it. Oh, okay. It's next. I can. I I'm got surprised. Yeah. You lost your glasses. Uh, I lost my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Probably in that book. Probably no, in that book Bob. that you didn't finish. Anyways. <laughs> so the it was a, it was a book on minimalism, and it was the disciplined pursuit of less but better. So the point being is that we have a we have a mantra. It's printed out in the lobby. It mm-hmm. says the disciplined pursuit of less but better. So when you try to do everything and you try to please everybody, you do nothing well. Whereas if you Say no when you say no to some stuff, you're saying yes to other things, mm-hmm. and so it seems like if you say yes to everything, you're just gonna do a bunch of shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what is this an attack? Or <laughs> is this I'm, I want, I'm going back into debate. Mode. Oh, I'm into going back into debate. Yeah. I, I like I? no, I like the idea like um, limiting stuff. You don't have to do a lot, but if you do say yes to everything, yes, okay. Like I said, you learn how to say no. You can still say no and not please someone. By me saying no, if you ask me, like, uh, hey, can you, or let's say, you want to get on Nitro. Like, I know you do. It's not going to happen, but Are we, we doing a contract negotiation? We're doing a, yeah. so, so we're doing a contract let's negotiation. Talk. Let's say we're going okay. back and forth. I'm saying we'll give you five grand a, uh, a month. And you're like, wow, that's so good. So that's I wouldn't decent. do that. Yeah, that's decent. That's decent. Say I'm giving you a thousand grand a month. And you say, I want this. You say I want four grand a month, and then I say no. I can still please you. I can still that's done. The deal is done. I've pleased you by doing that. You know what I mean? By uh, talking to him? No, by saying no, just giving oh. him a straight answer. True. With the mantra, you know, trying to please everyone. That is me also pleasing you. You get your answer. It's done. Move on. You don't you, have to say yes. You to everyone pleasing to please me them. would be giving me the four grand, five grand a month contract. No, but I'd also please you by not wasting more of your time by oh, saying no. Oh, that's a perspective mm. shift there. Okay, I like that. Are we? Do, are we? Is there an offer on the table? Or I mean, I like. Per, I would um, say could, that we could patch Runky in on this. <laughs> dude, I would say honestly, like before, I think before you got like probably a couple months before you did the press release of getting on the Capita, and I even like I'd say a year when you started this, I was like, "Fuck, we gotta get fucking Chris on this thing." 
or curse on nitro because you what you're doing here is so fucking cool and it's such a good branch off avenue of what snowboarding is that capita fucking scored by getting you on their team thank you Canute. yeah a hundred percent appreciate that like i was like a year before they did that i was like oh i'm gonna fucking make this happen i gotta try to somehow figure out budget to get to chris on the team but that also kind of goes against the like I was saying, we're not trying to grab new people, trying to like foster them up. Yeah. But since you went a new avenue, I was like, that opens the opportunity for that. We're not just grabbing you from you were on Solomon before, right? Yep. Yeah. Those dudes have also taken so many foreigners. Mm. Solomon snatched a couple up, yeah. uh, which is okay. No hate. It's cool. <laughs> no hate. No, no, no hate. No. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Nothing. Nothing. I'm which, not mad at all. What that does, it frees up budget for the other guys who are on the team currently. So mm. when everyone, anytime someone leaves Nitro, it's amazing how many emails I've never heard from the team riders so quickly. <laughs> when someone leaves the team, it's just like, hey, dude, what's up? What's up? You're like, what? it's July. You haven't talked to me since December last year. <laughs> oh, just seeing how things are going. How's the budge? How's the budge? <laughs> Everyone just knows. It's so funny. <laughs> no, but yeah, I would put you on Nitro in a heartbeat. Oh, thank you, Canute. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, with all this negotiation talk, you got the thing I think that would be fun to talk about, we'll call him back. That's my, that's our agent. That's our agent. Nice. So you got you to gotta deal with agents calling and trying to get money. Mm-hmm. And I know all people that are in a team manager esque position, fucking hate agents, except for maybe Burton people. They seem they probably like agents. But anyway, yep. uh, tell us about your experience with agents. Mm, I, uh, yeah, no, okay, not good, terrible, the worst, the best. It's fine. All agents have were team managers before, so I'm pretty sure it's kind of the return of the nerd situation <laughs> <laughs> with agents. <laughs> It is, it is. I, I, there's a place for it. There's 100% a spot for agents. For me in my position, if you're like a marketing guy or your team manager person, it, when the agent sends you an email, which is once a year when the contract's up, you're just like, oh, God. You had a good day, and now you're not having a good day. You have to deal with some, a third-party situation that owns and runs the world and is fighting for the team writer who you would rather just talk to personally. And in my opinion, try to help them grow themselves their own their own tools for success later in life, but not everyone has that. So an agent is good for some people, unnecessary for others, I think. And yeah, as a brand person, you hate it, but as a, as a person person, it's okay. They do, that's their job, is to be a pain in the ass, and that's their job, and some of them are real pain in the ass. That just means they're doing a really good job. You got some expertise in this. I feel like you could be... You ever think about being an agent? Yeah, but for like, because <laughs> you love sports. Yeah, yeah. Like, what if you're like, Zlatan's agent. You oh, Zlatan Ibrahim's yeah. agent? I would never be an agent. I, I couldn't do it. He's I, too nice. He's too, it wouldn't work because somebody would be like, they'd be like, we got no, no. We got 30 grand for I'm, him. And be like, we need 50. They'd be like, we no. got 30. And he'd be like, you know what? 30's great. We'll take the 30. <laughs> I, we'll take the 30. I, I, I probably think I'm probably the most hated uh, marketing person for all agents. Okay. Because I don't bu- like budge. Kind of thing. Mm. It is what it, I'm not gonna give you exactly what I'm gonna give the team exactly what I'm gonna give the rider. Mm-hmm. No matter what, that's just what it is. And there's no like, oh, what about this? What? And it's always the, the hardest part is there's always what about let's add this on, let's add this on. You're like, this is what we said, this is what's gonna happen, and that's just how it is. So I think they hate me for they don't hate me for that. I respect it. And most agents in snowboarding right now come from snowboarding, so they understand the dynamics with a snowboard company especially like a rider-owned snowboard company, and they treat it with respect, which is awesome. So, I mean, there's no hate within there. They respect it, and it's cool. They're just, in the end of the day, trying to make money for themselves by making it off of others. Would you say that's which like... Which is business. 
one of the hardest things that you've had to learn through the years with your role is like, cause you are who you are as a person. You want to please people. Mm-hmm. Like you want everybody to be happy. Has that mm-hmm. been like a hard learning lesson for you to be like, no. Oh yeah. You know? Oh like, yeah. I consider myself the dream crusher, <laughs> not the dream maker. Cause it always like that's with the team rider stuff. It is hard because eventually it'll end. And there has to be a bad guy in any kind of relationship, and I will be the bad guy. No matter how good or professional or um, honorly you try to end the relationship, it's not you, it's me. There's always a bad guy for a certain limit of time, so that's, that's super hard. That sucks. I like, can't feel good to like take away somebody's like no. livelihood. No, you take away, I mean, it's not even that. It's like taking away someone's livelihood for a job that they're supposed to do a job. Like you are supposed to be in here and I need you to get sales 10%. That didn't happen. Your job is over, black and white. When you're taking away someone's passion, that's the worst. That's what I hate. That like literally crushes me from the inside every single time. Because I remember for me, like I remember being a kid or a snowboard dude and going to like a shoot or trying to get a new contract. Sorry, dude, it's over. You're just like, fuck. Like, this is what I love to do. And someone's telling me I'm not good enough. And you can turn that around, but I'm going to show them. But then it's, then your love for the game has changed. You start with this pure passion and then you go over to like a vengeful kind of passion. You know what I mean? And that's when snowboarding changes and it changes for everyone who's tried to be pro. Eventually that will change. And that sucks. So yeah, it's kind of shitty. I feel bad a lot. (laughs) <laughs> no, but I, no I, it's I, cool. I, we've I never had. A, I don't think we've yeah. had a team manager on here talking about. Or not your. I know you're a marketing yeah. CFO. No, or whatever the fuck it's called. It's the same CMO. Shit. But uh, yeah, I think it's that's a really cool perspective of being the person that has to make that phone call. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it sucks. It does. It sucks super bad. It, and it always. It will always come down to that. Even from like when you um, start a kid on flow, like a sh- like the dream starts somewhere and it goes and eventually has to somehow go away. And different people take it. totally different ways Mm -hmm. some people will hate you forever like you ruined their life you might fuel their fire to become the best snowboarder of all time it could happen it could happen spite's a powerful thing yeah Mm -hmm. but that's the thing like for me when i see people spite boarding and stuff then for me i've changed their connection with snowboarding Mm -hmm. not me personally i don't take it like i have that much power but like it changes that moment Yeah, that that part sucks. That like that um I tell people that a lot or I don't tell people that a lot, but just ending someone's passion sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the, the thing dream. just being the recipient of somebody who's been cut by a major brand. Uh I like I remember when I got the phone call from Monster about getting cut and mm. and I just at the time wasn't able to really grapple with that and mm-hmm. didn't really understand how to handle that and what the the journey it led me on was having to learn to detach my self-worth from my snowboarding. I yep. place so yep. much self-worth on, really, at the end of the day, my who I am, nothing changes. Yep. Nothing changes. I still can do the same tricks. I'm still the same person. I walk out the door. Life's exactly the same. Maybe a paycheck of you know one of my sponsors, it's a little bit lower. But other than that, but, but the problem is, is when you are like, I my sense of worth is because people put value on me because I'm a snowboarder and then you lose it then you're grappling with your ego and it's this clunky growing experience so if people you know that get cut can find and understand that and that's the best case scenario that's the greatest gift I could give anyone is to somehow show them how to detach their self image with them as a snowboarder because you as a snowboarder people know you but that's not you 
at all. That's not you at all. That's just something you really love to do, but that's not you as a person. And if you can change someone so they at least see a perspective differently, that's a cool thing to give someone. But it still sucks doing it. You know, it still sucks doing it. I Luckily, I haven't had any, like, super crazy cuts, and it's always been a kind of flowing thing. And as Nitro being, like, a privately owned company, like, fuck, they put so much percentage of their dollars into pockets of snowboarders, which makes it easier for me. So it's way easier for me than a lot of other team managers out there who maybe go into a job and they're like the ones who come in and the, the, the people. And it's usually like the chief marketing person is telling like this new team manager guy like, yo, you got to fire him. And the person's like, that person has been a legend for 15 years. I just got out of college. Yeah, you got to do it. <laughs> oh my and there's God. so much of that in snowboarding and in the whole world, right? It's like the bosses always tell the other people to do the dirty work and they're just the yes men, the pushers. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Silk, you want to hit a Patreon question from uh, Benny Pellegrino, maybe? Benny. Yeah. Benny says, new to boss, at one point you had the most beautiful head of hair. At what age did the Great Recession begin? And when was the big decision to go full skinhead? Did you rock the denial style for a while and rock more hats and beanies? We got to know. Love you, Knut. Honored to work with you and call you a great friend. Take it off. Yeah, take it off. Let us see you. Uh, yeah, thank you, Benny Pellegrino. Benny Pellegrino, by the way, is probably one of the most passionate, best dudes in the snowboard industry ever. Dude hey. has dedicated his whole life to the, the act of snowboarding. Just so sick. Yeah, but thanks for the burn, Benny. Appreciate that. That's <laughs> nice to hear. And also, for people who don't know who Benny is, has a full head of hair. I think he's like 50 years old. Like a shaved head with like a hairline that's like nice. How old was I? Um, I I'm for sure my hair started to fade probably when I was like 17 or something. Not like fade, fade, but when you know, you know, kind of thing. Like I, I faked it probably for a solid five years. You know when you're going bald, when wind becomes a problem. <laughs> that's like the final, that's the final thing where you're just like, when you look outside, you're like, God, it's so sick outside. I'm going to go skate, walk outside. Fuck, it's windy. I'm putting a hat on. <laughs> that's the thing. And then uh, I think I was... I got married to my wife when I was 27. She have no idea how old I was. This is too much math. But I married her with a head of hair, full head of hair. No, 20, 2010, we got married. How long ago was that? 12, Thir- 13 years ago. <laughs> 13 years ago, 2010, 85. I was 25, mm-hmm. 26. I had a full head of hair. When I was 27, then I shaved it all off. I've never felt so free. So anyone who's dealing with balding issues, just shave that shit off. You'll feel like a fucking rock star. Do you remember the change that tape looked like we had years ago? Uh, who was it, me and Vin Diesel or something? Guy from The Simpsons. No! Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. No, actually, The Simpsons. Got him. I just remember it like oh. popped up on my phone oh. recently. I don't know how, like old Dude. memories or something. Please. Can you put that on the YouTube? Yeah, we'll like, put it on the screen. Oh, I actually did some research. I pulled it up so you can see it, Canoe. It's really Please good. Find it. Let me <laughs> find it here. Yeah. Oh my I God. Let me see that thing. It's me, LeBron. Uh, <laughs> I think that's Ken Griffey Jr., I'm pretty sure. Oh, Ken Griffey. I saw him in an ad on TV the other day. Boy's a little big these days. Is he? Yeah, yeah. baseball, dude. Those guys. I know how you lost your hair. 
Like I would, if you, so going back to Canute wanting to be a yes man, like in a great way, you ask Canute a question early on that would stress him out. The first thing he would do is he'd start rubbing his forehead <laughs> like this, just like crazy. And like, oh, Canute, are you stressed? Like it's oh, all yeah. good. It's the forehead rub. <laughs> yeah, but balding. Yeah, aerodynamic. It's a, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I, marry a girl before you go bald. Bob, what do you think we should talk about? The team trips. Mm. Oh, we actually have a guest question from little Jeff about that. Why don't we oh. hit that? Favorite guy. Little Hefe. All these, we got to talk to the Nitro squad about long fucking questions. There's a lot to talk about. Saddle up. They get excited. Yo, Diesel, Bombhole Crew, Canoe, what's happening? Thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, ask a question today. I actually got two for Canoe if you got the time. Nope. First one is. <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to spend a lot of time traveling with you kind of across the world. And uh, I've noticed that you start every single day with your pants tucked into your socks. Um, Pretty weird look. And I'm just curious what the story is behind that and why, how you never see anybody like that. So how, how do you end up in that position every day? Uh, Second, I know you've been on an absurd amount of nitro trips. Um, that have been ridiculous at times and definitely gotten out of hand. I've been there for a couple of the nights uh, where, you know, let's say either you or Andy uh, get stuck talking to either cops or a hotel owner or a manager when things get a little bit about out of hand. And uh, I was just curious of all of those events or stories that have taken place. What's the one that sticks out in your mind the most? Thanks guys. Can't wait to listen. Love y'all. <laughs> Uh, first question is easy. Second one, I have to do a little, uh, who do we throw under the bus yeah. situation. Um, first one. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff is referring to my pants are usually looking like this every time I see them. And the reason for that is I always put my socks on after my pants and I'm usually in a fucking hurry. And that's every morning pretty much. And I don't care how I look or what I dress like. I'm married. I have three beautiful daughters. I don't got to dress to impress anymore. This is who I am. But pretty much I'm just in a hurry. I think it's kind of a fashion statement. It's dope, you know? It's like Canute shows up first thing in the morning, <laughs> pants tucked. You know, it's business. Get to the hill. Let's go. I've never been a fashion guy in my whole life. I just wear what's on top. This is not true because I've shot photos of him modeling. We'll find some photos that you can put on YouTube of him modeling the L1 stuff, looking all dope like putting his hat I mean, on I'll, sick I'll, and crooked to the side. I'll put a show on for sure. But just like me personally, not a fashion guy. I just wear whatever's functional. Even if it's not functional, if it's clean, doesn't stink, I'll put it on. It's probably like you too, Chris. That, it's not a burn. I mean, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I got a great sense of fashion. <laughs> you got fucking no. coffee all over your shit. I'm a, I'm, I'm a low-maintenance guy. Just yeah. give me some stuff. that the Black shirt, I can spill coffee on it. Keep it moving. Yeah, white shirt's a nightmare. No, that's just, that's an absolute no-go. Yeah. And then part two, who are we throwing under the bus here? Uh, part two, I'll throw Austin Smith under the bus because he's no longer part of Nitro. Still <laughs> one of my favorite, most favorite, favorite humans of all time. This dude has done... I mean, he's done actually so much for snowboarding, kind of under the radar, but also just, fuck, he's just a good human. Also, a complete psychopath if he starts drinking, and also in any uh, open, regular, like, normal situation. He's just off. Like, he acts strange in normal situations. You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about. So we're in China. We went to this contest called the Nanshan Open. Huge shout-out. Hit those. Yeah, I don't even know. 
I'm yeah. giving this for oh, the yeah. non-Sean Open. Non-Sean Open. Mark, Marco, uh, Steve. These guys rule. They basically Mark are the guys. Marco and Steve. <laughs> no, Did but you the, give one to Austin? <laughs> yeah, give one I to Austin. I got one for Austin. <laughs> give one to Austin. Hold on. I got a special one for Austin. Homie's cooked. Yeah, give me a second here. Homie's cooked. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Um... So yeah, non-China Open, these two do like the guys that's basically what brought snowboarding to China is this event. And we're there, non-China Open, super fucking random crew. It's me, Brian. Were you there too? Yeah, I was there. Me, Brian, Bob was there, Ingmar Backman was there. Um, Travis Parker. Oh, he's was he there? Or was Scotty? Mickey Scotty. Alban. Mickey, Mickey Alban and Scotty Whitlake were there. Legendary crew. Yeah, it was super random crew. And at this event, they did an amazing job. It was a week-long event, and every night there'd be something happening. And so we're going to uh, karaoke. Like, they rent us karaoke place. We're going there, karaoke. And it's just a regular snowboard party. Everyone's too intimidated to dance or sing or whatever. And then what happens is Brian, who doesn't drink, kicks off the whole thing by singing Kelly Clarkson and just, like, kicks over the table and just fucks up the whole room. And then from that moment on, everyone was just getting shithoused. Austin shithoused. Great time. Everyone's having a good time. Running around being crazy. And then we're going to leave. We're leaving the karaoke place, which is in the middle of nowhere of China, probably about two hours away from Beijing. Go outside. I walk outside of the karaoke place. Austin's there, shithouse drunk, and there's one girl. And then there's like eight dudes in suits standing next to this girl. And Austin's just like, hey, come with us. We're partying. This is going to be so sick. And I'm just like, Austin, we got to go to the bus. Let's go. And at that moment, this guy, Marco, who puts on the whole event, who's Chinese, walks outside, and he's shithouse, dude. He's like, yeah, cool. And he sees Austin, like, instantly sees Austin talking to this girl and looks at these dudes. And he sees me over the Austin, and he just comes, like, dead face, sober, instantly sober, walks up to, to me, or walks up to Austin. He's like, Austin, we have to leave now. And he's like, Marco, get the fuck out of here, man. We're going back with this girl. We're going to party with these guys. It's going to be sick. Dead face. He was shithouse drunk, could barely stand this Marco guy before. And at this moment, just dead, like, sober instantly sober looks at me he's like grab fucking grab austin right now we're gonna carry him run away right now and i was like what the fuck so i grab austin put him on my shoulder I'm running down the streets of this weird chinese town never been just running 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 as fast as i can get out on the corner and then marco comes around and he comes around he's like, oh, fuck fuck i'm like dude what the fuck why are we fucking running like this he's like these guys were literally talking about grabbing Austin right when I came out, grabbing him, taking him in the car, and cutting him into pieces. Like, and I was like, yeah, but they were probably just saying that. He's like, no, no, that was Chinese mafia. They were literally, if I wouldn't have came out like a minute later, if I would have came out a minute later, he would have been gone. And I'm just sitting there just like, what? Austin, dude, Marco just fucking saved your life. And Austin's just all, where'd the girl go, guys? <laughs> Where are we? Where'd that girl go? <laughs> Uh, that was a crazy story. <laughs> that one was crazy just because it was like so close, and I was kind of responsible for him. I mean, it wasn't. He's a grown ass man, but it, I was kind of responsible his for caretaker. them, right? His caretaker, and that moment kind of really put a perspective on like, fuck, I'm like in charge in these situations. Like, it's my job to take care of these people and that everyone acts accordingly and is safe and doesn't get killed by the Chinese mafia for sure. And that kind of was a turning point for me where I took it a lot more serious after then. Not serious. I'm still loose, but at least I was like... I, I took it real much. serious. We brought Austin back. He got butt naked. <laughs> and he starts <laughs> <fast plates. laughs> 
but then no one's getting hurt. But that, the, after that moment, then I took it a lot more serious. I'm just like, shit, this is like, gotta, I, I gotta at least be able to react. I can't just be a pile of shit when I'm on these teams, on these shoots. And from that moment on, I'm probably, I'm never really like super drunk or anything at these trips. I'm having fun Bob, with everyone. Can you con- he, gets, he gets a little loose from time to time. When it's a safe environment and nobody's gonna get chopped up yeah. to pieces. We're, ba- we're back at the house. It's all good. Current yeah. team, who's biggest liability on a on a team shoot? Oh, Simon Gescheiter. Oh, give him an air horn, dude. Young Arnie. <laughs> young yep. Arnie is going to take over the scene. He is insane. He's about I think he's like five ten, probably two hundred fifty pounds of wow. pure muscle. Brick shit house, dude. And when he drinks, he's drinking. I call him just. He's he's a bowling ball. Like, once it goes, you cannot stop that thing. That thing is just going down the lane. It's actually coming back through the feeder again and then going back. He's insane. Simon's crazy. He's the nicest kid, but when he's, like, drinking, he's not mean or anything. He's just, he's a lot. It's like having a bull in, like, a glass house. He's expensive to bring somewhere for that reason. Now, one thing we haven't talked about that uh, all the snowboard nerds will be bummed because it's a sleeper. It's a kind of a cult classic, but I don't think it got the shine it deserves. But the ponytail video... Right after that was the year after Robot Food, right or two year I think two. So. I think yeah, it was so the year like after Compass and them were coming yep. off big time video and uh, yeah, like dude, those that video was awesome. Yeah, somehow I got in, I got connected. I, I think I knew Hampus and Jakob just because they were Swedish, and I was mm-hmm. no Stian, Stian Solberg, and I were Norwegian. And then Per Hampus, he was a filmer living. It, he was from Sweden, lived in uh, Salt Lake. He worked on the Aaron Comstock movies back yep. in the day. So I knew him, kind of just knew him a little bit. Either way, um, Humpus and Jakob, they wanted to make a movie. And they just come off Robot Food, and they obviously loved Those are the best movies, right? And what they took away from those movies was, like, when they were out riding and filming, they were just having fun. They weren't, like, trying to be the best or, like, wor- they weren't working. They were having fun every single day. And when that move, those movies ended, they wanted to keep that vibe going. So they kind of took it upon themselves to, like, make another movie themselves. And uh, so they just reached out to Steon and I, who knew them, and they're like, we're going to make this movie called Ponytail. And the only rule with this movie is every day we go out to film, we're going to snowboard for at least two hours before we even film. Everyone's snowboarding. So we went to Logan up in Utah and would do backcountry days, and we would just ride for like two hours before we set up a jump or anything. It was so sick. And that was the whole ethos of that movie. It was like, it doesn't matter what we get on film, we're just going to spend this year having fun together, no matter what happens. And it turned out epic. There's like there's there's a, sleeper bangers in that. There's thing. some bang- I mean, those dudes were good. Yeah. I was at that moment pretty pretty good. You were good. I was good. I was good. Steon was good. But those guys were good. Pat Moore's in the movie too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's people still hit me up today on like Instagram, like, oh, I love ponytail. So it had it had an yeah. effect. Jakob cab or Jakob front ten form step down in that. Yep. And then uh Hompus cab ten that Logan The Logan jump perfect jump. Perfect jump, there. yeah. Yep. Which is still I didn't land a thing. <laughs> Dude, we built, it's called Logan Perfect Jump. It's a park jump. It's the easiest jump ever to do. And they were just land, land. I was just tomahawk, Tommy, 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 sit on the sled to like, I guess I'm just driving you guys now. <laughs> so I became taxi. <laughs> didn't land anything. It sucked. And you mentioned earlier you uh, the first video you made was uh, hyped, right? That was the first time you were kind of yep. like, Behind the scenes. Yep. So that's, uh, I think that's a year, it's like the year, the year after I started working for Nitro, not being a rider, was that. And basically, what I want to do, like anyone who comes in, they want to change up how it was before. 
before then, Nitro was, it was very cool. Like, it was a sick-ass brand. It was cool. It was badass. It was a badass, darker, darker brand. Not dark in a bad way, but, like, punk rock, rock and roll band. Sick, had insane team riders. Tonino was running it and made it fucking cool. I'm not as cool as Tonino by any means. I'm just like, I fucking love snowboarding. It's so fun to do with your friends. That's just my attitude. So I wanted to bring that kind of vibe to Nitro. And then also just do a team project where we could all go ride together and no one has to do dope shit. It's just we just have to go ride and whatever you want to do is good enough kind of thing. And then you always get amazing shit because the people are just riding, having fun together. And that, I think the viewer, you can, you can uh, uh, not associate yourself, but like align yourself with that message, right? You see it and you're like, fuck, I wish I was in this session with these guys. Not so much like, oh, that trick was insane. I have so much admiration for that, but I would never do that. I want it to be like, man, I wish I could just be in there in the mix with these guys when they're riding. And that was hyped, and that was also made by Per Humpus, who made the um, Ponytail movie. Mm -hmm. He killed it. And that definitely kind of put Nitro in a different direction from then on. We were just kind of this, like, very inclusive brand of, like, the team goes everywhere together, we have fun together, and that's what we're about. Mm. No one's one's the best. What do you think about relatable snowboarding versus, like, bangers putting pros on a pedestal um relatable snowboarding is easy it's too like super pros shouldn't do it it's not their they shouldn't sell themselves short by doing it they should continue to put on fucking bangers and just pound us over the head until they get to the point where they don't want to do that anymore and then relatable snowboarding makes sense because then you can inspire people Mm -hmm. I'm more of a fan. I'm a fan of both, but I like relatable snowboarding. Mm-hmm. I just think it's fun and funny. But I think those who are really good at their craft shouldn't sell themselves short by doing it. I guess, yeah. Like a Jed. Yeah. You should just keep... Yeah, there's there's no re- reason for striving for mediocrity. Like, people should strive for greatness on their snowboard, too. Yep. And I don't think re- mediocrity should be rewarded. Like, there shouldn't be the same hazard pay for the person doing, like, you know... Re- lack of a better term, mediocre snowboarding, greatness should be celebrated. However, relatable snowboarding can also, can be appreciated. Yep. should be appreciated yep. in that way. Well, that's sort of the industry now, or not the industry now, but that's snowboarding and the people who dis, who kind of steer the ship of what is supported in snowboarding is kind of the last, since social media, or no, since the last five years with influencers and all that stuff has really kind of split, right? Because... I know because I do the social media stuff. Like I know uh, me riding down the hill holding a board bag is going to get more views than Benny Urban doing a switchback lip down a down flat down 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 flat down 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 flat down. That's perfect. It's like that's fact. So then it is like, oh, what what should you focus on? We should probably just focus on getting more views, more out there. You know what I mean? And that's an easy choice, right? That's the right choice. That's like the right choice if you look at analytics. But it's up to the people like me and others who steer where budgets are being spent to continue to support those who are striving to be the best, right? And that's important. That's super important. And I try my best. And I know there's a lot of other people out there who tried their best too. But it, it's we're at a splitting point for sure. Mm-hmm. I brought up the fact of me riding down with a board bag because that's actual video with like 10 million views. And then all the team people were just like, you suck. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, dudes. I'm sorry. But it's a balance. You need a balance. Yeah. Absolutely. As a brand, the brand needs a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you if you have a third party, mar- I've, I've worked with some bigger brands that have third party marketing agencies that handle their media partnerships and things, mm-hmm. and those media partnerships usually are going to entail TikTokers and yep. you know people yep. that just they have a massive following, 
and they they get bringing numbers. They bring in numbers, and they're also people that those people can understand. It's really hard for a normal person to understand why it's so sick to watch a Switch farm board in the streets. Like a regular person, they're not going to understand why that. You see someone do a good Switch farm, or if you see Justin Benny do that Cab 270, a snowboarder is going to watch that and just be like this, like snap their fingers, just like, oh, yeah. Anyone else is just like, what just happened? Why didn't he walk down those stairs? So when you use the third parties, it never works. Like we've tried to use third party agencies to create projects and stuff. And it's always a waste of time. It's a good learning experience because you realize like, okay, this, this does not work within our, within our space. And that's just a complete waste of money. I think of taking dollars from snowboarding into these things. That's just money gone. That's also a thing with the nitro that I'm hyped on or just the people I work with that like, I get to give money into like everything we do goes like back to snowboarding. Like not many dollars leave snowboarding. They go to snowboard people, they go to the stores, they go to the reps, whatever, the shop kid, the riders, it all goes back into snowboarding. And all the budget we get in, it's so sick, it goes back, all the extra budget goes back into snowboarding. It doesn't pay for the factory, the workers there, or the materials, it just goes back into someone who's into snowboarding. And that's why I've stayed with Nitro for so long too. It's like, yeah. Integrity? Is that the right word? Sure. For me, it's like a, I feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Similar values. Similar values. Wow. Interesting. Well, this kind of leads me into the new video, which I haven't seen, Layers, and talking about the culture of snowboarding and your take on it. What's the concept behind Layers? Uh, the concept behind Layers was, I mean, initially, just blame, honestly, it was uh, two years ago or three years ago, me and Andy Auerhammer, who also does the marketing stuff with me, he's kind of moved, he does more sales stuff now, but we do work on marketing together. Homie, he's from Germany, works at the German office. And he, he's like a, I am in our company, I'm the snowboarder. Like, I fucking love everything about it. And he's like, he's a snowboard, a guy who snowboards. And he loves snowboarding, but he's not just like, fucking watching it, like dying for it you know he just loves the act of it he loves the business side of it he loves the people he loves the people in it whatever either we were, three years ago we're talking we're trying to figure out what to do for a, whatever for a marketing campaign or whatever and then he <laughs> as he would he would say um hey dude what if we make like a documentary about like the culture of snowboarding and my initial response is like that's the stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard who are we <laughs> To come and be like, yo, this is the culture of snowboarding. Welcome, everyone, for an hour and a half of me telling you what snowboarding is. <laughs> so that was the initial like thing. So we basically killed it. And then I was thinking about it for maybe a couple weeks later. And then I called him up. Like, we could do it. It'd be cool like, shed some light on not just the super pros. Like, try to find people who are behind the scenes with snowboarding. And at least, at the very minimum, give them FaceTime on the screen. It's like respect for what you guys do for snowboarding. So then we decided to make this movie called The Layers, The Unintentional Culture of Snowboarding because I believe that snowboarding was never started to be a culture. It was started just as a piece of wood to have fun with a bunch of idiots having fun in their backyards in Wisconsin. Just like, well, this is so insane. And then it just kind of exploded. And from there on, it became a culture. Like it became a thing, a community of people. So this is a two-year project where we traveled around all over the world from China, Japan to Australia, to the Alps, Norway, everywhere. We spent two years to go everywhere, try to talk to as many people as possible about snowboarding to shed light on the, the people behind the scenes, which I like to call the real, the real heroes of snowboarding. But we also have like, you know, you have pros and legends in there. We did Salt Lake stuff. 
because that's also a different layer of snowboarding. And it's a video, hour and a half long, full documentary. We're doing a premiere here on Friday at Brewbies. And uh, I put it online, and it sold, like, the online thing sold out in less than an hour. So I think people are excited to see it. I'm still, like, terrified about it because it's, like, a pretty big project, and I'm kind of the interview person. I don't want to have my face attached to it that way. It's kind of scary. But I'm proud of the movie because there's nothing corny in it, and we do, we give, we shed light on some really cool stuff. And that was the thing. It comes online on Red Bull TV November 15th for everyone to see. And we also did a two-part project, kind of like the Nike movie, Never Not, and then you had the other one. So this, our main thing is the, the documentary, and then the second movie is called Cake, which is just a full action movie of fun, it's, which I'm hyped on. That one's sick. It turned out fun. Now, going back to layers, you guys went into this with a bit of a game plan, you could say, of what you were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Did you end up learning anything that surprised you when you started diving into interviewing everybody? Oh, yeah, so much. Like, I thought I had kind of... Um, I thought I had, an, I had an idea of what everyone would kind of say. It's snowboard. It's not like crazy. You know what I mean? It's not crazy. But what's crazy is, is how much dedication and time people give into snowboarding. That I work in snowboarding. My life is all snowboarding. But there's a lot of people who don't get any money from snowboarding or they, do really, they have like a hard job in snowboarding. But they love it more than what I love. And what I love is easy to love. And how much they love the stuff, it's, it's very eye-opening. The, the sickest thing for me was this Hoods to Woods Dude, the Hoods to Woods guys, this guy Omar and Brian Papa, these guys blew my mind. I felt like, oh, yeah, they're oh, definitely give not good. No, we'll, no. Give air, we'll give them a mega air. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. No, but these that, that blew my mind. These two dudes have, like, they're from Brooklyn, and their only goal is to just get kids from Brooklyn to get out of the city and just see nature and to do that through snowboarding. No strings attached. Just go out a couple of weeks, a couple weekends a year learn how to snowboard and just be together outside in a different environment. That's the main thing. And they've been doing it for free, like for a decade, like not getting anything, just their own time to do it. And me as a father, and these, they have, like Omar has kids. Brian, I don't know, Brian doesn't have kids, but you have family, you have time. Your weekend is all you got. And I have three kids, and I was watching these guys and how they've dedicated like 10 years of their lives on their weekends in the winter to bring up kids to the mountains all day. It's not just like, let's just go for four hours and back. It's like the whole, the whole weekend's shot, right, for this. And they do it, and they love it, and it's so inspiring. And I know, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Everything I do in snowboarding doesn't even amount to, like, a little pebble compared to what they do for, like, two kids. That was pretty inspiring to me. That made me feel really good about humans, I guess, and really kind of shitty about myself. In, in, like, the best way, I'm like, damn, these guys are so sick. I need to do more. Still haven't done more, but I need to do more. <laughs> but I will do more, like, because it was just awesome. I've never seen snowboarding infect someone, like, one single person so much. Mm-hmm. I, I see them, and I realize I've taken this thing for granted my whole mm-hmm. life in, in perspective to how awesome it is mm-hmm. for people. That was cool. The, the quote in the teaser that he says for the teaser of the movie when he's just like, it's so crazy how this piece of wood brings so many people together. And just the way he said it, it just kind of gave me chills. Dude, it was amazing. I asked him, this isn't in the movie, but so I interviewed everyone for out, like hours because you need to get a couple snippet natural statements from people. And I was interviewing Brian and he was saying, I was asking him like, what's like the, I was like, how did you realize when like you were making a difference? Like with what you're doing, like seeing the kids making a difference. And he was, he said, 
the, the time I realized I was really making it like a real difference in kids' lives is I was walking around Brooklyn, and I was walking out down the block. I get to the corner, and I see on the other corner by 7-Eleven, these two kids who are in, in Hoods to Woods are, like, arguing with these other four kids, like, really, like, arguing. So he's like, oh, shit. So he goes across the street, and he, like, kind of gets in between. He's like, yo, what's going on? You guys, chill out. What the hell is going on? And the two kids look at Brian like, yo, Brian. These motherfuckers, they don't believe in global warming. We've been going up to the mountain. There's less snow than the year before. <laughs> so sick. He's like, that's when I knew when I brought global the philosophy of global warming back to Brooklyn. That's when I knew it was making an actual difference in their lives. Cool. Yeah, it was so sick. Yeah, no, that was amazing. That and also China. Going to China, we could show kind of the Chinese style of snowboarding. Everyone has their perception of what China is from the outside looking in, good, bad, whatever it is, you know. But, like, the community of snowboarding is insane in China. It's so young, and snowboarding and skiing started at the exact same time. And what happened was it's, like, 30% skiers, 70% snowboarders because it's just more fun. And then skiing is more like the Chinese um, system way. It's all structured. It's here for speed. you got to be this. you got to be do it right. Where snowboarding had the effect from the beginning of this freedom. So, like, so many parents and kids, like, do it to escape this, like, structured lifestyle. And you really saw it for how many people are there. And that was cool. And there's no hate. There's no, not hate, there's no, like, norms or, like, you know, that's not cool, that's not cool, I'm part of this. Every, like, swimming's walking around high-fiving kids with, like, turtles on their butts. It's like, yeah, it's so sick. That doesn't happen most places. That was cool. Right. And that's all in the doc? That's in the documentary. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So it was cool. For me, it was really hard because I've made, I think, like 10 or so, like, snowboard movies where it's like, yo, we're going here. Let's film some stuff. It'll be cool. We'll have fun. High five each other. I'll be yelling, do a backflip. Do something crazy. <laughs> and it'll happen. That's easy. Going around and interviewing people that you don't know, that is not easy, especially because it's, like, all on their time. You have to schedule it in. You have to have a plan. It never works out. And then you have a film crew with you, and they're, every morning at breakfast, they'll wake up. And there's, we have a Finnish film production company called Pablo, who's amazing at making stories. The Finnish dudes, and they'll every morning wake up. So, Knut, what's the plan? <laughs> like, uh, the plan is, uh, it was gonna, we were going to meet this guy today. Why aren't we meeting him today? Because <laughs> uh, he actually has to take his wife to work, so we don't pay them. Like, no, we can't pay them to be in the movie. That's the wrong thing. Next year, we pay them. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best, dude. But that was the hardest thing. Is like, yeah, Great finish. Not making a snowboarding movie was hard. But it was really fun. Like, I like that. That's what I like to do is always try to do stuff that's different, like anyone should. You should always try to step outside the box. And this was, for me, for sure, stepping outside the box. Mm. And that was cool. That's been your daily routine through the winter since you became the team manager of nitro everyone's always like hey canute what are we doing hey canute hey canute hey canute hey canute that's literally all you hear what's the plan canute canute hey canute what's the plan can then canute's rubbing his forehead losing that hair (laughs) well it sucks is when you are a team manager the person responsible for a shoot and you have pro riders who are together if i wasn't there shit would be just getting done probably better but when you're there is like the one running it everyone's just like what do I do? What do I eat? What should we do? Why are we here? Why would you do that? This is so stupid. But if they were there by themselves, they'd just be like this. Dude, this is so dope, man. We're just here together. We'll do whatever we want. This is awesome. They'd be doing awesome stuff. But I'm always there just like, what are we doing? This is so dumb, Knut. Are we all going to ride together down the hill at the same time again? Yes. Get up there and do it. 
Make it look like you're having fun this time. <laughs> Make it look like we get all the Americans out. Europeans only. They actually enjoy this shit. <laughs> Get all exactly. those fucking prima donna Americans out of the shot. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What's the Nitro team trips like, the dynamic between Team America and then the rest of Nitro? Like, for that's a perfect example of riding down the hill together. What are the attitudes? What's the difference between the two? <laughs> the difference between the two? Uh, yeah. The U.S. guys are way more opinion. They, I mean, the honest answer, European snowboarders who are sponsored snowboarders are so fucking grateful for every day they have on a free snowboard that they express it through their snowboarding and their smile. Most American pro snowboarders who've been in it for a while are always asking why they're there. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I even here? (laughs) And then like, you don't imagine going to work and asking your boss, Hey Chris, thanks for hiring me to edit this stuff. Why am I here? kind of how it is <laughs> but the u.s dudes are sick dude they yeah u.s for sure still steers i think everything within snowboarding because they do they are passionate about it they are critical against it where people like me are just like this is so fucking sick that there's people who are critical for it or to it and that's what steers it in the right direction so i have all, all the respect in the world for all those guys that do it it's fun to hate on them though why are we here it's so it's so true. Such a dude. I I'll be I, I'll say culprit number one. Like I'll open up a box of like free shit and just be like, no garbage, no. trash. <laughs> like dude, my fourteen year old self would be cutting off my own fucking dick for this thing, dude. <laughs> and here I'm oh fucking large. This thing's like a fucking medium. What do we? Why would they even send me this? You know? Oh yeah, clothing is insane. <laughs> Outerwear is insane. Yeah, it's like a three hundred dollar jacket. <laughs> this is garbage. <laughs> Such yeah. entitled pieces of shit. It's insane. It's true. It's Canute's true. out there just herding cats. <laughs> Lofoten. That was a pretty wild trip to be in charge of, I feel like. The splitboard trip. Yeah, that, that's a, it's like this movie we just made. I, we come up with these cool ideas in theory that would be sick. Like, oh, you know what we should do? We should go to Lofoten, Norway, which is in the middle of nowhere. It takes you 24 hours to drive from the airport of Oslo to get there. We should go there with the entire team, and then we should team up with Audi and invite regular people to come stay with us on this trip. <laughs> that was my plan. That was my plan. Ended up going to Lufoten with, I think it was like 40 people. 40 people. The idea was to go camping for two weeks. 40 people. Didn't really happen. But it was fucking amazing. It's just cool. You just got to aim big and invite tons of people, and it's always sick. The more people you get, the better it always is. That sucks. But yeah, Lufoten was insane. It was cool because most of the people didn't splitboard. We did camp a decent amount. Yeah. Invited all the street kids to go splitboarding in Lufoten in, I think, 2014, before splitboarding was actually a thing that people did. It was crazy. You wanted no to camp. No one got hurt? No, nobody got hurt. You wanted to camp on top of the mountain. I'll never forget this. And so we're going up, splitboarding up at, like, towards sunset. The sun stays up forever. And Canute was determined for us to camp up there. And then there were six of us staying and homie had like a backpacking backpack with like ninety pounds of gear to get all the tents, like all the filming shit, like Canute everything. We'd, yeah. yeah, and he's just up there and bibs, splitboarding, no shirt, and just his hat, just going up this icy shit. It was so sketchy, and you just see him. And he's like, "This is awesome! Come on, guys!" You gotta. Fa- I mean, I, it's not fake. I have to put on a positive attitude at these at the any kind of social ga- or a gathering of productivity. The leader has to be set the example, right? 
So then I'll always be that guy who's like, it's going to be sick. This is going to be so sick. It's all good, dude. It's raining, whatever, man. It's cool. If you put that energy out there, someone will follow and it will end up being sick. If you start that, if I w- if we would have went there and we were going to go up that mountain that time of day and I would have done what I was actually thinking, yeah. nothing would have happened. I would have just been <laughs> there in the car like this. Fuck this. <laughs> Head on the horn. <laughs> But then That's I, great advice. Yeah, yeah. You just have to sack up and just do, and just do it. Yeah. Brian, remember going out, leaving? Brian's like, yo, can you take, take my tent for me to the top? Yeah. Yes, Brian. I'll take your tent. See, everyone, mm. Brian's even doing this. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> he's, out, he's bragging about how light his backpack is, and the rest of us are carrying up camera shit and camping gear. And right. Yeah, I mean, lead we, by example. Your attitude I is mean, infectious, too. Anyone's attitude can be, you yeah. know what I mean. You just and, have to and do in, it. The, in the same sense, the negative one, oh, neg- yeah. the negative attitude is like cancerous. Oh yeah, that, and that's the same. I mean, I know that from lots of group settings with team riders and stuff together. And no one's, most people don't want to be negative. You know, they're not like today I'm going to ruin the vibe. No one does that. But it's just natural that you have a negative um, attitude or something will not be going right, and it kind of brings down the thing. So I try my best to actually like see it before it happens and then try to switch that person's attitude. And that re- it really works if you can do that. Because if you let someone be super negative, then the whole thing is just fucked. Mm. And that sucks. And then it's a waste of everyone's time. And then uh, the older I get, I got kids, I got a family. I don't want it to be at a team shoot where we're not doing anything. And I don't want to be somewhere where we're at least not having fun. If I'm not having fun away from my family, I don't want to fucking be away from my family. You know what I mean? So that, for sure, later in life, I've become more serious with that aspect. But I don't put it on people. I'm not like, you're fucking this up for me. I'll take it internally and be like, how can I switch this situation? So we're having fun. Fuck, let's have fun. I respect the shit out of you for that, man. Because I've been on so many trips with you where it is definitely not like ideal conditions. It's pouring rain. It turns to a sheet of ice or just whatever. And you're always like... You're always present. You're always, like, hyping everybody up. You're always taking, like, people are teasing you. You're like, it's fine. Like, let's just go. Like, I've been bald since I'm 20, 26. <laughs> Teas- My name is Canute. You switch two letters around, it's a bad situation. <laughs> See, my life is not. <laughs> Wait. It's Wait, been which hard. two letters? <laughs> yeah, I, it took me a second. We're there. Yeah. Got there, though. Lots of moments in my life where I've said my name and I've seen grown women write my main name down wrong, look me dead in the eyes, and I look back at them and I say, you really think a mother would call her son that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, and they're so thrown off. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> kind of the greatest gift my parents ever gave me. <laughs> Inside joke. No, yeah, I don't, yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate that. You're the same, though. You're one bah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I owe so much to Canute. I mean, I don't want to kiss his ass too much this on is, air, but I mean, dude, I, own, <laughs> I owe Canute a lot. Because, like, when he came in and had the marketing job, I'd just been working at Nitro for maybe year. two years two or a year, maybe. And, yeah, he kept me on and has taken me on so many trips. And I guarantee you, when he talks about sour attitudes, I'm sure I've had that from time to time. And he builds me up. And <laughs> so thank you. You've provided me the opportunity to have a incredible life getting to shoot snowboarding and doing what i love that's sick oh we got a uh, patreon question from bo brown shout out to our patreon members we appreciate shout you out patreon oh brown bo wow. brown's asking what is the best team in snowboarding and why is it nitro also what's the secret to your inverted carves in the stunt ditch mm-hmm. um best team in snowboarding yeah our team is pretty fucking sick it is sick yeah that's a good ass team yeah, that's a good team. For what we're trying to accomplish, we have the best team. 
100%. Shout out to the team. Hit him with air torn. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sen- that's the sensor button. <laughs> if you want to swear. Uh, I actually meant to reference another Patreon question. It was the one. It was a plum one. Uh, Snacks McNally Part Two. Shout out to Snacks McNally. Always comes hit, through. Let me hit the carb, dude. Oh yeah, the, the carb. carb. I forgot question. about the carb. I, I, so I'm not. I'm not particularly interested in carving. That's why I skipped <laughs> over it. Carving has saved my. Uh, cool. My career was like this. I could do tricks when I was younger. Then I learned how to do methods. Got a bunch of covers doing methods. Oh yeah, you got a bunch of covers. We yeah. didn't talk about that. Bunch Sorry. of covers doing methods. And then I learned how to do hand plants. Got covers doing hand plants. And then I realized you can just fall down moving and get back up. And people are like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. Got a bunch of shit from that. But carving is fucking awesome. I, when I do snowboard, I just like, I like the act of snowboarding. I don't like the trick side of snowboarding. The older I'm getting, I like doing tricks. It's, really, it's fun. It's cool to do. But fuck, do I love, like, just going edge to edge and then just seeing the different angles on the mountain and trying to, like, maximize how the invertness you can get or how you can put your weight differently. It's, like, super weird. But you just... I just love that feeling. It's the closest to freedom that I could ever imagine is just being on edge and cruising. And the laying down the carve things, I I, uh, I don't know why I started doing that, but whatever, I started doing it. But it's easy. Everyone can do it, and you can do it to like 100. And all you got to do is you go on your heel side and then go over to your toe side. And the main thing is that you put your body, your arms forward before your board goes fall line. So you dive into fall line before your board does, and then your board comes around you. And the same with the ditch if you're doing it in the half pipe. You dive forward with your upper body and your board will follow. That's the take. That's, That's the a trick, trick tip. We just trick got tip. a trick tip. Yep. Trick tip. You know, I can appreciate carving as I get older, but I still love making fun of it. Oh, yeah. 100%. I get so, made fun of for that. I'm not even called a carver. Griffin's like, that's not carving. That's just falling down and scraping your dick. <laughs> what's, the, what's the difference between carving and giving up? Um, one, you get up afterwards. Trick question. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I don't hit the jumps anymore. I just carve, man. Yeah, so you're true. giving up. That's how I look at it. It is true. You got yeah. a bag airtime still. Yeah, you, you can carve, but you got a bag. You got to do both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same as skiing. Yes. It is. You're just not standing still. You're falling still. You're falling. <laughs> My daughter, who's five or eight years old, I was on the chairlift the other day, and she. All I wanted her to do is just get out so I could go snowboarding, like, selfishly. I just want you to be at the mountain so mom doesn't have to watch you, and we can just ride together, whatever you do. She's always been the snowboarder. She's a good snowboarder now. But the other day she asked me, she was just, like, we're on the chairlift, and she's just, or last winter, she's like, Papa, why do, why do you think people ski? And I was like, I don't know. It's, like, fun. You're moving the same as you. You get wind in your hair. It's cool. You're outside. She's like, yeah, but all they do, it's like they're standing, like, on a, uh, like a moving escalator, just downhill, just standing like this the whole day. <laughs> and we're out here just like this, falling over here, going over here. Why would you just want to stand like this the whole time? And that was a pretty proud moment in my life. But that's kind of the same as carving. <laughs> you're right. You're not really doing anything. I like it. All right, let's hit a quick salt here. Okay. Oh. Crush here. Damn, Bob went in. I went in hard. You all right, Bob? Ow. It's <laughs> the final push. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Louise! It, water. We go with 110 oh percent in nitro snowboards. Uh, just one. That's a little nostril. bit of a hashtag boom scenario. Right there is what that is. Boom. You know what I think boom, it's boom. time for? Silk. Name that video part. All right, Kenny. How are we feeling? Zero to ten. Video Conf- part? Confidence level. Oh, three. 
Three? Yep. Three. Like that? So, how you feel about that? That's not bad. We've had worse. Yeah, dude, we've had worse. Dude, yeah. for the amount of videos that come out since I've seen decade. There's 30 year videos that just that we can count this year. And I'm sure there's others that we're missing. My job is to watch all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scouting for talent. <laughs> He's out there scouting. I do, though. He's I got do, a clipboard. I do watch videos now. Like, I hear listen to podcasts, but no sound. Just, like, fast forward to, to X2, no sound. Then you can watch all of them. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. It'd be sick. No, but I only watch videos not on my phone, only on my, on my TV. The pro oh. tip. That is a pro tip. pro tip. Which also means it's harder to watch so many videos. Yeah, and you got three daughters. So. Three daughters who don't want to watch it. All right, here we go. Let's see how you do. Um, nothing. You're blanking? Full blank. I thought you'd know this. It sounds very familiar. Just based on your past mm-hmm. and your place you used to live mm-hmm. when you were going to it's snowboard like school? I know. It's a, it is that. I know it's that. I, I just don't know which one. Say it again. Yeah, nothing. Absent movie. That's correct. Yeah. JP. Solberg? Yeah. That's correct. But I don't know which movie. Wait, hold on. It's not... Would it be Pop? No, you're close, though. It's not Transcendence. So what do you got left? I, the, the one in... Nothing. Sorry, Justin Hosnick. It's Vivid. Oh, Vivid. vivid. Yeah, great. It's Gigi, and then it goes to David Pitchy, yep. and then it goes to J.P. Solberg, and it's such an insanely insane, good section. Insane section. So just, that movie is insane. I'm going to give it to you because you kind of almost got it. This is more of a participation award, but you got yourself yeah. a bomb hole. I already uh, packed that tote. up, so we kind of got to give it to Sam. Yeah, I appreciate we'll that. It thing. It's uh, presented by Yeti. They give us these uh, <laughs> Yeti carryalls. I didn't know we had the green and black. This Dude, thing kind of... I kind of want one of these. Dude, that thing is Dude, sick. That's like 200 bucks. That thing is... Thank you. Yeah. I was going to buy one for my birthday. For myself, but didn't. There you now go. I got one. There you <laughs> go. Well, I'm glad I got Absent and that it was kind of JP. I knew it, but I didn't know the name of the video. That part, that movie's insane. That's a really good video. No, those videos, they're so much better than what there is now. Yeah. It, oh it like really is. They go so big. Yep. They look so, they change. Also, like Gigi, when he, dude, dude. for whatever reason, and JP, like they're Ste and it's a film 16 mil. It just looks amazing. It's, it's, I would say it's timeless, but I think the time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> but it is timely. Like it's yeah. so good. Okay. Every kid should watch it. Part two, name that video part for the listeners. If you know what video part this is, comment on the photo of Canute on Instagram, on our Instagram when this episode comes out, the thumbnail photo. That's where we pick our winner. We need rider and video to be clear. Holden Bars picks these. Uh shout out to Holden. He's the one who will send you your prize pack. Here we go. Okay, thank you guys for playing. Name that video part. Oh, it's good. I love. I'm so hyped that I was in that. I've always wanted to be in the name that video part. This is cool, and I kind of got it. Not really, but kind of. You did. You won the pack. You got the pack. Yeah. You I think p- it did good. You got you got like a participation ribbon. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to get into something you breezed over earlier. We were talking about snowboarders being very critical, mm-hmm. and something popped into my mind. And a lot of times we hear the word gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, have you seen that in on the social media front? Where oh yeah, 
I live. That's a, this is the world I live in. Yeah. I wake up every morning like this. Oh God, be careful out there. Yeah, exactly. And and so, like, I mean, I have my takes about gatekeeping and snowbirds being critical, uh, but it's about you. So I would love to hear your takes on I'm, my job. I am a gatekeeper. That's a good right? point. Like, yeah. if you're a team manager or you are a market or a budget wow spender, yeah. I am a gatekeeper. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Yeah, but, that but you is, decide who gets paid. You get decide who gets paid, and that's just part of the responsibility of doing it. Love it or hate it, um, I that is the job to do it. I think, therefore, there's more leeway because that's what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yep. But gatekeeping within the culture of snowboarding is, yes, there's people who say that you shouldn't do this, you're not allowed, you're not cool enough, but it's so much open. It's a million times better than it was 20 years ago. It's only going to get more open and more open and more open. I think the gatekeeping is uh, the guy's getting older or the girl standing in front of the gate is getting older and not so strong anymore. It's also, I think, a little important, not gatekeeping, but people still need to be critical to it, right? You can't just be like, yeah, we can all code. Everyone can play on the field today. That's called recess. We play (laughs) games here, Friday night games, and only certain people are allowed on the field, but everyone has a chance to try out. You know what I mean? That's a great fucking analogy. It's like if you're building a snowboard team, right, and you you want the best, like let's equate it to a hockey team. Mm-hmm. You want the best goalie. You mm-hmm. want the best right wing. You want the, the best defenseman. Just because you're a defenseman doesn't mean you should be on the elite team. There's, we're still talking about a degree of skills. Mm-hmm. It's still skill-based, performance-based mm-hmm. situation. I mean, it's the same in any, any aspect, any layer of snowboarding. is the same. Like on a team, you want the best riders. You own a store. You're going to want the best sales guys on the floor. You own a brand. You're going to want the best designers on your brand. Or it doesn't have to be the best, but you want it aligned with your perspectives. Yes. And it's whoever owns those perspectives is the one who can decide kind of what they want their perspective to be like. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So if, you're not, um, if you don't feel appreciated by the area that you're in snowboarding, there's for sure another area where you could be. Yeah, and you can point. also today make your own area that would become bigger than all the other shitty little cool guy areas. So right now it's like the gate is, it's, you can break it down any way you want. You can get in that thing. But it's still always going to be there. You have to take the effort to get through it, I guess. This is fun. <laughs> I'm having fun talking about this. I like it. I kind of feel like I'm the wrong co-host for this podcast. Because I'm like, you guys are getting kind of deep. Sorry, Bob. Bob it's a little great. bit past like me, your my mental... You do, you, you guys are doing like Slush Magazine, Bob, you're photo the, editor, you, you are also gatekeeping in a way, not the, in the, no negative way of it, you're curating mm-hmm. in a way, I guess, but you also do it, you have to deal with it daily, and so do the mags, and it's important that people take the responsibility to have ownership of something. Yeah. yeah. It is hard to, I mean, I always do feel bad when people send you a submission, you're like, don't need any of the photos, you know? Yeah. It is hard but, to say But you, that. yeah, you're, you're preserving... Being a harsh critic keeps keeps it tight, keeps it cool, keeps it being a part of what you want it to be. When you see some sloppy meat, like it keeps the bar of mediocrity. Like we shouldn't, if you have a magazine, you shouldn't be celebrating mediocrity. You should be celebrating greatness. The people in the magazine should be better than the person that goes snowboarding recreationally. That's, that's, and it's that there's a, the lines are blurred there right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's important, but I do want to say, got the first slush recently, flipped through it. It's in the lobby. And, and, you know, the current state of digital 
you know, media consumption via the phone, via TikTok, via Instagram, all that stuff. Like there is nothing like flipping through a fucking magazine and all the photos are fucking dope and you can see them and there's insightful blurbs. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, speaking of like, you know, Although a marketing agency might say the ROI is not as high as a giving a TikToker who has seven million followers, like we fucking need magazines. Oh yeah, one thousand agree one thousand ten one thousand percent with that one hundred percent because like you said, you can see snowboarding, you can see cool crazy shit all day long right here. Eighty percent of it's garbage. Mm-hmm. So it's like no 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 no. But in the magazines, you open it up and you you, you are in this world instantly in there. It's in your hands and it's so amazing. And it's not a brand telling you what's cool that's so important nowadays because now we're moving into a world where the brands are like this guy's the best this girl's the best with this product she's the best he's the best this is what's cool that's not cool we need people that aren't selling you shit to tell you what's cool because mm. that's mm-hmm. and that's where the media is so important that's where brands they need to start um speaking with their wallet not so much their social media outreach by supporting the magazines it's super important or else we're just gonna be screwed well, it goes back to you always talk about supporting the culture. Like a magazine is a huge part of the snowboarding culture, right? And it's all, it comes full circle. Like we're all trying to support each other. Like we're mm-hmm. printing photos of people, writing articles about people. Yep. We're supporting the culture. You put money or you invest into a subscription of the magazine, you're supporting the snowboarding culture. You know, we're all just, we're all here trying to support mm-hmm. each other. Every photo in that magazine was paid for by Slush Magazine. Mm-hmm. So like every photographer that got that picture got paid, mm-hmm. you know, like that's important. And there's a lot yeah. of brands out there who you, what you're looking at on social media ain't being paid for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you got to remember that when you're looking through the social media stuff, a lot of these people go unappreciated. A lot. New. So, side note, so sick. There's a new thing here. So like Garage Magazine. Yep. Yeah. That is Garage dope. Yeah, when I saw that, magazine. when I saw that coming out, I knew that like I, I I feel the future is going to be okay for snowboarding. There'll always be this level coming back, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd ever see a brand new magazine ever yeah. again. Yeah. So I was so hyped. And also, the, 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 the internet's, this is really important, the internet's not real. No. Yeah. It's not a real place. Like, I can go fucking golfing in the middle of winter and post a photo from the week before riding pow, yep. and everybody's like, dude, you're ripping, you're riding pow. You can create a fake <laughs> life, and even like like... Even a picture, you scroll through it, it's in there, it's gone. What are you going to do with it? Nothing. You you get a magazine, you rip a picture out, you put it on your fucking wall. That's Now you, now it's in real life. Yep. It's not on a screen. Yep. Like, it's real. The, the internet's not a real place. So I think that magazines being tangible and something that you can hold, is those are important. Call me a boomer if you want. I'll take it. No, it's so important. I mean, even the next, I know this from just not research, but just knowing the markets and the people, like the younger generation, the next generation is coming up now, younger kids who are 12 to 16 or whatever, they hate that shit. They love making real shit. They don't want to live there because they see all their brothers and sisters and the other people just living here, neck down, chin there. And that's where they live. (laughs) And they see this as kids and like, why would you want to do this? Let's go play soccer. Let's go do this. I'm here. And, and I see with my kids, my eight-year-old daughter, she goes to school, plays all the time. She has a cousin who's older, not throwing shade on the cousin. But she's like 13, and my daughter's just like, it's no fun being with her. She's just on the phone all the time. Like, go play with your cousin. She's 13. It's probably so sick. She's like, she just sits on her phone. And to me, I'm like, that sucks ass. 
that an eight-year-old knows how to live life better than I do or that like a 12-year-old. That's scary. That's rad. But it's not, yeah. Internet's not real. Not real, people. That's been something you've been big about for a long time, though, is like getting offline, right? Like throwing your phone away or not throwing away, put it away and go snowboarding. Like go out and make your own memories. Don't like live vicariously through Instagram and watching other people snowboard. Like just you go snowboarding. Yeah, and that's a message I think I've tried to bring through snowboarding because for me that has been first it was escape for fun. Then it was escape from my parents breaking up family stuff. And now I literally see it as escape from like the hectic workday life and the phone. Like the only time you can be on your phone or snowboarding is on the chairlift. And that situation sucks ass. It's cold. You might drop it. You might lose it. You're not having a good time. So most of the time you're not on your phone. You're just living in the moment. And there's not many, even when you skate, you can like skating is the best year in the moment, but it's real easy to try five, 25 times, sit down, sessions over. Yep. Right. Snowboarding, it's harder to pull out the phone in the cold and be sessions over. You're just on the chairlift and you're at the top again. Like, oh, shit, shit, my fucking phone. Put it back in. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Either you have step-ons or strapping in. You're just fucking hyped to go again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, snowboarding is a great escape from the digital world. And someone with your position, too, like, you get messages and phone calls, like, probably. Higher and fire on the chair. That's day. what I do. Higher and fire on the chair. <laughs> no, it's a nice Never-ending. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to that conversation too you got three daughters yep. you do every job at nitro humanly possible that you should have fucking 10 people doing but you're doing one just trying to keep my job you're trying <laughs> <laughs> so do you how the fuck do you do it like how do you have any balance like what's the key the key is being um i mean you learn as you go how to be more selective but it's just having like focus on the shit that needs to get done and don't look at the other stuff. Don't, there's, like, there's no room for clutter in a happy life. Like, get rid of stuff. Only do stuff that you want to do. And that's the key, I think. And then also, put people first. People before everything. No matter what kind of person it is. If it's your, I mean, obviously your family first. Like, I'm putting my wife and my kids first before everyone. But people before success. People before money. People before experiences. People before anything. People before... Like you're back 10 people before any, if you put people first in your life, you'll live a happy life and there will be a balance. I mean, then it just works because you'll, you'll want to give more to make people happy and then you, anything's possible. Yeah. And don't drink too much. (laughs) 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 It's real fun to do, but that'll really make the next day not efficient. That is, uh, that is something. Probably the most profound <laughs> advice ever said in that chair, the way you capped it off, too. I mean, that book, Outliers, talks about that, too, right? Yeah. How, why, how people live long. It's like, essentially, they try to study them and yep. to give you the very shortened version. They thought it was environment. They checked, thought it was diet. They thought it, was that. it all basically came back to these people who were very communal and yep. three-generation households. And yep. It's key to a good life. And I just want to say that... Um, Snowboarding is it's sick because it, it becomes it's very ego driven in the beginning. Yeah. It's very friend driven in the beginning. You do because your friends do it. Then it becomes ego driven. Then you're ego driven your whole life, and then it becomes more about friends and stuff like that. Again, you get older, you love doing it together. And then what happens is like when you get a family. Like I have three kids now, and like any day with my kid on snow when I'm snowboarding with her, and I might not even snowboard the whole day. I'm following. My back hurts, but it's like better than any pow day I've ever fucking had. And it's just so cool how there's all these different levels of snowboarding where you can enjoy it in different levels. 
There's not many sports where you can do that, that it just keeps getting better or different throughout your whole life and your age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's something sick about snowboarding. Yeah. That's cool. The The unstructuredness, really, I think, for having a kid thinking about that, just, hey, there's no rules of where to go. Just go down the mountain however you want and use your mind creatively. It's you amazing. Know, and and we, I love competitive snowboarding and coaches with iPads telling you to do 1980s, and there can be creativity there if you do a wild grab or yep. mix it up the axis, but, you know, the, like, the creativity, the thing. creativity things. Even the best coaches in the world, they'll try to get the best snowboarders in the world to always, you got to bring more creativity back into your riding, man. Like, enjoy it. get Because they know that'll just make it better and better and better. Mm-hmm. It's like the only sport in the world where creativity makes you better. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think of, I watched this documentary on, uh, it was on Wayne Gretzky, it was on uh, Jerry Rice, and I can't forget who else, and it was the one thing that bonded them together that made the greats really great. And so what they, what they, they studied all these, these athletes, and what they figured out is that these guys at a young age had unstructured play. Mm-hmm. So Gretzky played on a pond. He fucked around on a pond all the time and just played with his friends, whereas... You know, so he learned how to think freely and do things on his own. Whereas when somebody's coached all the time and you show up and your coach is like, all right, we're doing 180 through 540 today. You're not thinking, you're just waiting for your, you know, I've even seen, I remember it was, there was an X Games run and the X Games rider that won got done. And they're like, what, how did it go? They were basically just like, I just did the run my coach told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, dude, that's not inspiring, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, unstructured yeah. play, that's the key to everything. That's the yeah. key to, I think, any, any success. That goes for business or anything. Like, anytime you work, anytime you work, you do something and someone's telling you what to do or how to do it, You're just, all you're working towards is how to fall in line to please that person. You're not trying to work towards figuring it out, mm. right? Like, any big company started from, there's no structure. Microsoft, mm-hmm. I'm in a garage. We should build this product. I don't know how to do it. Let's just play around and see what happens. It all comes from that and everything then that happens, and then it gets structured to fall in line, right? And then it'll go away eventually. Mm-hmm. So as long as stuff stays unstructured, it'll stay forever. But once it gets conformed into a structure, eventually that tower will fall. Wow. I think. Yeah. That's cool. why we can't, yeah. That's why we got to keep snowboarding free, man. No, that's, that's very insightful. I mean, earlier you breezed over your covers. So mm-hmm. uh, what, do we, what are we working with? What's the cover count? Bob, you shoot any of these? We did have a cover. We've had a cover. I don't <coughs> carving. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've only had lame covers. Take it how That's you can get it. True. No, uh, no, they're sick. They're beautiful. They're photography covers. I'm a big fan of working with a photographer to create magic and the still frame. Like I like taking photos. I was a big fan of. I am a big fan of taking photos. So anytime any photographer is like, "Yo, let's take a let's shoot a photo," I'm just I look at the film and like. I wasn't going to land anything anyways, so I'm just going to be over here, <laughs> and I'm going to get something with this guy. So I love working with the photographer, and they have an idea, and I'll be their puppet. I just Because I am just I love being part of the process, which has led me to get lots of covers. I don't know how many, but it's been a lot. You and Loli had, like, a good run there. I feel like you 15. guys are getting a couple covers, like, every 15 year covers? Yeah. Damn. Internationally known places. You hear that, Nitro Dude. team? <laughs> I guess there was more magazines back in the day. There was way <laughs> more. There was a lot more out there. <laughs> but my... Best thing is first cover ever. It's called Playboard Mag from Norway. Yep. Backside Zeech flat bar in the park. Fisheye. Wow. Wow. Respect. With some cool flash photography or what? Oh, uh, Mammy swag goggles on. 
um, <laughs> in like the the vertical line hoodie with a vest on. Mm. Classic. Damn. Backside Zeech. I like that clip of you and not bad when you, it's like the intro where you go front nine and like botch it. And then the photographer's like, that was the best photo. You're like, perfect. I landed on my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't land anything. Not I true. I can land stuff. But I would, yeah, I love photography rules. That's a, like a dying art, which I think is kind of sad because I think photography is amazing because you can say so much with an image and it doesn't take so much time to watch the whole thing to figure it out. Yeah. It's nice to shoot photos with people that are stoked on shooting the photos, you know? Yeah, good that luck. work for it. Good luck getting kids today to shoot photos. <laughs> Some I feel like they're kind of, like, coming back around and they're into it. I hope so. You know? I hope so. Yeah, I got so much flack from being the photo guy from all the team. Oh, look, there's, there goes Canute with our photographer again. <laughs> <laughs> this is when he's the team manager, by the way. <laughs> So fun. You, did you ever get any? You had. I remember being at uh, with Chris with you at um, Rail Gardens, and you got that cover. I think it was one foot. That was just a. It wasn't a cover. That was a double page butt cheek spread. We call it. Oh, dude, that was I, so sick. I was. I was back that. in the day. Yeah. Um, you had a cover jumping off a roof. I got some covers. Yeah. I got. I got a snowboarder mag cover with Ollie G. Shout out Ollie G. I got. I got a snowboarder buyer's guide cover. Hand plant. There Classic. you go. Silhouette. Can't yep. even see it. It could be anyone. <laughs> we got a cover on a Japanese magazine with you wearing a snowboarder mag hoodie carving around me. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, covers. That's basically my, that's what I got for fame. All right, we're going to hit the pub beer crapshoot. Now, grab the I'm two excited. dice behind you there. <laughs> there's right behind your head. Two. There's, there's three here. Uh, two? Just roll two. All right. And uh, you roll them. It's time to roll some dice for some cheap fun presented by P- Pub Beer. No matter what you do, cracking open a Pub Beer for cheap fun is always a safe bet responsibly. Okay, Kenny, roll them. We got two plus... Goon Gears is six. Sixer. We got... That's eight. Uh, eight. Tell us about a breakout moment that helped launch your career. Oh, breakout moment that helped launch my career would be... Oh, uh, what what career? <laughs> <laughs> Breakout moment that launched <laughs> when Tonino Copain quit being team manager for Nitro. <laughs> that was wow. sick. sick. Yeah, I I've honestly haven't. Re- there's never been like a like. He's on the map. It's just been this snowball effect the whole way. I think. Mm-hmm. I won uh, half pipe um, national half pipe champion Norwegian snowboarding one time. That was cool. Then people were like, "Wow, who's this kid?" That that helped, I think. Then I got sponsored by Nitro actually. So yeah, that half pipe. But I think more when Tonino quit being the team manager of Nitro, and then I was there. I feel like in the movie Hyped, you get your forehead bonked, and that was like really <laughs> making the rounds. That would be my breakout moment for you. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> the that, forehead bonk? The, the forehead bonk was sick. Dude, when you have Aero Etela, a dude who I looked up to my whole life, wanted to be like, he was God, right? Ends up my career path, leads me to a moment where I'm his boss, and the only idea I have is, hey, Aero, this would be sick if you just jump and hit my head doing a front three. And that's what people know me for. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Silk, you know what to do. Oh, Find the footy? Yeah, that's I'll give oh, we, we that's in there start. already. Yeah. Okay. They saw it. Yeah, perfect. I can get you a bunch of footy too if you need it. I know a guy. I know a guy. All right, it's time to get into hot takes. 
First question. MJ, as it pertains to you, or GOAT, both male and female, who you got? Um, I hate it when people talk a long time about these because it's pretty annoying. But I wrote down tons of names, and the only one that I kept writing down for a guy, Scott Stevens. (laughs) He is my favorite. He has done so much shit for snowboarding. He's made snowboarding fucking fun and done it in a way that's, like, not easy to do. Dude, yeah, he's my GOAT. Scott Stevens. Uh, for women, Barrett Christie. Just because, I mean, she did so much shit back in the day. Her pig, Pigs Will Fly board, Flying Pig Board, was so, I was so hyped on that when I was a kid. And then also, now she still works in snowboarding. She still brings up snowboarders. And to me, that's fucking sick. We need more people to stay in snowboarding and bring up snowboarding. So she's an example. She, I, I want to be her. She's like, I, I wish she was my mentor. Cool answer. Art or a sport? Is snowboarding art or a sport? Hobby for those who are good at it. Hobby. Mm. Curveball. I like that. No, it's an it's an art. It's an art. Because you can argue the score. <laughs> like it. Um, in your opinion, who's the most underrated? Alec Ustering. This kid is the best skater snowboarder we've ever seen. He gets no money. He's the best. He's the greatest. And still does it. He's the best. Alec Ustering. Do you know who he is, Bob? Yeah, I know who he is. He's really sick. Insane. Yeah. He can do anything. Yep. He's a father, too, now. He's a legend. Okay, uh, steel or powder? Preseason steel. It's my favorite time of the year. You get so hyped. You're so hyped to snowboard, and you can just get on, and you slide a little, and you eat shit, and that's when the whole season kicks off. That's Damn. my time. Respect. Love that answer. Powder's for those who... No. It's for the, the lucky ones. Best style. Actually, no, not best. Favorite style ever. Oh, God. I wrote this down. Favorite? No, J.P. Solberg. At that moment, that really made me. I, I wanted to be like him forever. J.P. Solberg. Love that answer. Favorite method? Favorite method is... Dude, favorite method is every time your friend botches one. <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> method, dude. It's the best. Oh, that's incredible. The best answer we've had. Yeah. And it. most honest. Dude, yeah. you every snowboarder knows it when the homie is just like, I'm going method. You, inside, you're just like this. God, I hope you just botched. This is so bad. <laughs> and when they do, you are so hyped. Because it's the worst feeling. It's it like, is bad. It's like golfing. If you go golfing, you go to the tee box and you just paid $200 or something to play. And then you just take out a huge divot of the tee box and you just have to walk away because there's no time for you to take a second shot. You just take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, favorite snowboard video ever made? Uh, decade. No, yeah, decade, but also all the robot food movies. After Bang, all day, that shit is just still on repeat in my head. Deluxe! Decade. Good answer. <laughs> uh, best snowboard graphic or best board graphic ever? The Joyride Flower Board. Mm. Love that thing. And then also, Jana Mayan had this uh, Nitro board. Yeah, I work for Nitro, so I gotta say Nitro. But it's kind of a sleeper graphic. It's uh, this girl doing like a front side um, Smith grind in the pool. It's uh, black and yellow. It's really sick. It's Rad. not many people have seen it, but she did a bunch of front side nines on it contests. And I always thought that was cool. Rad. Uh, okay. Pants over or under the high back? I'm. St- Gonna put them back over now, starting this winter. Starting now, yeah. Because did you you grew up with them over? 
I had a phase where I ran him over when I was younger. Yeah, it's not phase, like you were doing it. I was doing it yeah. for like multiple years. I mean, and when you watch, this is like early, early days. I was doing the same. Yeah, well, I mean, back in the day, if you watch like vivid, you know, like JP JP Solberg's pants were over the high backs, like as you mentioned. Yep, I would. I mean, that dictated what pants I would wear. If they didn't go over the high backs, I wouldn't wear them. I would cut. I'd cut the sides so they go over the high backs. I'm gonna start doing that. You know, it's pretty rare these days. Like Frank April was like he was one of the last guys holding on. I've seen. He still does it. I mean, like when I see footage of him, those things are. He keeps those things hidden. Those high backs. You ain't. You ain't fucking. I guess, yeah, no idea right. what kind of brand binding that is. If you watch a Frank. Frank clip. <laughs> it's true, it's so keeps those things hidden. <laughs> you going? Uh, you going pants over under the socks these days? <laughs> <laughs> Tucked in the socks. You know that trend of the roll-up pant? And I kind of started that one. Yeah, that trendsetter. All right, this is a fun one. Dream sponsor. Dream sponsor. Any sponsor in the whole world? I would have to say the Norwegian Oil Fund. Okay. Yeah, oh. they burn some budge there. Yeah. Pretty big, pretty big budge you'd be working with. It's trillions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What would you do with that? Mo- with, yeah. that with that money? Oh, that's a stupid one. Why would I'm, okay, I'm a capitalist. I'd go for money. What would I do? I'd buy cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You've been what saying you all this money? insightful <laughs> shit, and then you're just like, I don't know. I'd buy some shit. I'd buy money, buy cool stuff. No, it would I, be no. fun to like. Like, if you had that much money, I always think about, like, I would just destroy my friend's shitty cars and then just go buy him new ones. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Shit like that. Curb would be them? so fun. Yeah. Oh, sorry, dude. Like, have your friend walk outside. There's, like, a bulldozer running over their car. Oh, and they're hilarious. so mad. And they're like, hop in. We're going to the Ben's dealership. <laughs> sorry, I started your house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that would be pretty fun. <laughs> Sorry, I drove a bulldozer through your piece of shit house. Let's go get that, you a new one. That would be sick. No, I build a lot of houses. My dad's a contractor, so I would do some kind of like lumberyard thing for real. That would be the dream sponsor because mm. you could build anything, do anything at any time. Mm. I love that lumberyard. I've been thinking about you know it'd be going Panda Express. Big no. fan. <laughs> big fan of food. It's like the cheapest food you could buy. It's like, so good. You don't even need it to be sponsored yeah. by it. But imagine yeah. that big old panda sticker on the nose. Like you're just like, yup, it's a bingo. Yeah, it's true. That's you true. talked about going to China earlier. You want to talk about like a harsh wake up call for an American is the first time you go to China and you're expecting Panda yeah. Express. No. It's definitely There's not like, that. No, uh, pigeons and shit. Yeah. Fermented fish oil and like yeah. fucking everything. You're like, oh, yeah. this it's, is hard to it's eat. better now. Is it? And the last times I've been over there, it's better now. They got dope, dope, actually dope food. <laughs> yeah, I remember eating hella pigeon when we were over there. Hella pigeon? Yeah, we were eating pigeons. Yeah, I mean, meat's meat, dude. Yeah. Okay, uh, you go hella heli boarding with three people, just good times. Who you taking? Oh, all three of my kids. Hands down. Perfect amount of seats. Yeah. Wait, with, with the wifey, though. I was going to say, how do you Classic explain that me, to her? Just leave her out. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, she's just holding it down at the, the helipad. <laughs> No, she's flying the chopper. She's flying the chopper. She gets heli certified. No, I dropped the little one. Little one's not coming. Wife's coming. There it is. She's going to cry the whole time anyways. (laughs) 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 All right. What's your take on the beaver slap in the lift line? I do it all the time, and I love it. Do it, love it. Okay. Is it getting mad? Why do they get so mad? I'm helping. I'll slap and scrape. Slap and scrape. Yeah, the good old slap and scrape. Because then you slap it, you get it down there, and you help even it out for them. We got to ask a lifty about the beaver slap. I got to get him hate on a call. They hate but it. But I want to hear why. Because it's so annoying, dude. It Imagine annoying. if I'm in here All like day. this. 
That's so much louder than that. It's so much louder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just like all day, you're just like, boom, swap, wha-bam. Yeah. Wha-bam. Yeah, they hate it. Okay. But I think it's fun. I'd rather that than a bunch of snow falling on people underneath me. You should ask people if they do like the, the chairlift kick. You know, when you get off me off of the snow and just boom. All yeah, the I hit snow the kick. People? I hit the kick. Everybody hits a kick. Over people? I mean, right when you Sometimes. get up, you got a solid 30 sa- yards. But you save it for the people. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, oh, there's, I days where stack. You're, there's days where you're throwing snowballs, but I'm I'm in my 30s, dude. You know, I'm an old, uh, you know, fucking dinosaur over here. But yeah, sometimes you got to throw some snowballs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, first try, go to backcountry step down trick. Cap five. That's all day, brother. That's a land. That's a land. That's going to be a land. Or it goes quickly into an over-rotated cap seven, where in midair, I'm like, oh, my God. I got it, though. I totally got it, Tomahawk. <laughs> that only a snowboarder knows that feeling of being in the air, mm-hmm. stuck in the spin. You're going to die, but you're so positive mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, wow, now I'm going to land a better trick. <laughs> <laughs> it never happens, but everyone knows that feeling. I like uh, Gabe Ferg put me on head tuck for dub. <laughs> when when you, like, you go for like a front oh, yeah. seven and you... Fucking fuck give her it. too much onion, and you just next thing you know you got a head tuck into a double because you <laughs> and you know you're just trying to save yourself. And there's a shot. <laughs> there's a chance. Uh, okay, last question. Worst trend. What do you got? Um, worst trend in snowboarding is people not supporting their local snowboard shops and brands not supporting local shops. That's the worst trend because that is those are the pillars of our our world, dude. That's where we all went, and so many kids will never be able to experience that ever again. And that shit sucks. I think that's the worst trend, yeah. Support the people in snowboarding, 1,000%. They're worth every fucking dollar. Yeah. Great answer. And also, just like soggy, like sog-ass video parts. There, there's a lot out there. That shit, that, if you're going to put a soggy video part out, that's why they made the reel. It's so soggy, we don't even want to watch it horizontally. (laughs) (laughs) Some vertical sog. (laughs) There's a lot of that out there. Not that I could do any better, you know what I mean? But go in. Not that I had unsoggy video parts. (laughs) But if you have soggy shit, don't claim you're the best. You just like the board. It's okay. Don't tell me you're cooler than me with that sog. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That was that. The only other person that's ever said that when we had JP Walker on. Worst trend, filler. A filler. Oh, yeah, dude, they're the best. Yeah, He's so the good. Best. It's true though. Nobody gives a shit about the filler. Just put fucking. If the clip doesn't make you go holy shit, just don't put it in there. Yeah, and if you're, if someone's not laughing, yeah, you can have filler and make people laugh all day. I'll take that over any trick. I love the comedy and snowboarding, but don't fill it with. Some cool girl guy shit. I don't want to see that. I got my own mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you always had amazing filler. Thank you. Well, it was like funny. It was cool. When you lack the skills, you have to find another way. I, I saw right through you. <laughs> I knew that's what you're doing, but I was like, damn, he's figured it out. The, I mean, the, you did. the thing, thank you. Yeah. I think that gets forgotten is that like a, when you pop a snowboard video in, DVD now would be when you go on YouTube and you put a snowboard video on. Yep, you're you have a couple goals here to to inspire people to want to go snowboarding, 
to entertain them. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, you're trying to fucking entertain them. Mm-hmm. And that entertainment comes in a variety of ways. You can do a really difficult trick with good style, mm-hmm. or you can make them laugh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you can have fun. Or if you take the perfect blend of it, the fucking opus of what I think embodies it is Travis Parker and After Bang. Oh. Because he goes, you know, he's hitting a fat back rodeo seven where you're like, this is a upper echelon pro that is clearly better than everybody. And then the next clip, he backflips into a bush and lands on his head Incredible. for no reason. He builds a jump into a tree where he's going to do a half backflip into a bush. What's the purpose? It's fucking hilarious. Favorite shot of all time. <laughs> it 100% is. That and his like one foot. Fast plant 180 off the cliff in the backcountry. Remember yeah. that? You're like, why would you do that mm-hmm. only for fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the best. That's the best. Yeah. And you, I mean, you did it. everything. I, all your video parts, they were impressive. And also, like, I thought they were funny because all the tricks look kind of funny. <laughs> 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 no, but you always oh, had good video parts. And your front board, that swallowed, that piece of shit swallowtail thing that you made. Right there. Oh my god, that's the one you yeah. did. Look at the look at the effective edge. Even, I, I it's cut a negative the, edge, dude. I cut the I didn't realize that how technology worked on a snowboard. Nosedive. At the time, <laughs> I cut the nose before the, the contact, contact point. points went up. So you literally the only thing you could do on that snowboard is go on a drop and rip and go dead straight at a rail. No turning is happening with that. I don't even know how you got to the rail. That's the good thing about rail that, snowboarding. You don't need to know how to carve. That was insane. Go down yeah. a ramp. You it's go true. straight. It's true. Front board. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, but that same with this, the video part stuff. It's all about like no. Tell me, people are going to remember a sentence, uh, a moment in a video more than the trick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Tell us how fast your heart rate is. Yeah, exactly. Back flipping in the bush. Deluxe. I, I don't remember all that shit. I was at a premiere the other day for what was like. To me, a bit of a, there was some mediocrity in the video I was watching. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, give me something to fucking remember here. Mm-hmm. Give me something to take home. One. Give, give one. me something, you know? And that's all, and honestly, it's all it needs. Yeah. It can have mediocrity, but if it has that one funny thing or that yeah. one weird thing, that's, then you scored. That's the goal. I like People it. want personality. Bob knows that all too oh, well. Yeah. Bob is personality. It's the best. Oh, did you ask the uh, Snacks McNally uh, Patreon? Yeah. No, we never got to that one. We can do it right now. I'll do a quick answer. What's your favorite Plum family story? Favorite Plum family stories? Um, The one one Plum that no one knows, Bob's, is he older? The youngest brother. Middle brother. brother. Big Big fish. fish. Big fish. Matt Plum. Does he still, he would drive from Salt Lake City out of state. To go buy lottery tickets a lot, right? Yeah, he would do something <laughs> like that. <laughs> to me, coming from like Minnesota or Nor, like that is just what? <laughs> but that explains you guys' family a lot. It's just some crazy people, amazing crazy people. But he's my favorite. He's my favorite. Airhorn, the big fish. Big yeah. fish, airhorn. Living Wayunda. And we actually have the funniest of the Bobs. Don't worry, Bob. Lizard's not funnier than yeah, you. Yeah. You're, fu- you're funnier. <laughs> you're the natural one. You're funny. He's the forced one. <laughs> actually, Big Bob's the really the. He's funniest. the king. He started it. Yeah. You, know. you guys have an amazing family. Okay, we got to hit. Uh, let's hit setups. What do you got behind you? Setups behind me? Oh my God, son, you never ask. This is my favorite snowboard of all time, Chris. No, no, no cap. They'd say um, it's the Nitro Basher. It's a new board. It's an asymmetrical twin board with like 3D nose and tail, 158 centimeters, um, medium flex, ASIM rules for those who like to actually turn their snowboard, unlike others 
Christopher. Um, <laughs> and this board does it. I don't know. It's just fun. I just like, I like a soft, I call it friendly freestyle. Like, I'm not trying to go fast. I'm not trying to go big. I'm not trying to do anything. I just want to be able to butter jib. If I can't butter a board or play around on a board, I'm not having a good time. And this is a board where you can just, like, butter around, carve around, fuck around the whole mountain. I love it. Team Pro Bindings. They're good bindings. They don't break. Nitro Bindings rule because they have cable connectors, little metal things in the, in the straps here, so they never break. Very good. Boots. Nitro Team Boots. Best boots in the biz. So that's your that's your daily driver. This is my daily driver. I will ride this from preseason rails to back. I mean, we just came out with this board, and I'll ride this. And it's only one fifty eight, but I've never done high speed or low speed switch ollies in POW before, and I could do it fully centered. This is my daily all everything driver now. What do you board. do? Uh, you go uh, forward lean, anything like that? Um, I rotate the high back sometimes to match the the heel side edge. That does help, but. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. What, if you do it enough, you get used to it. I, no, no forward lean. I'm not a forward lean guy. It just always gave me feet cramps. I would do forward lean, I guess, in the half pipe, but that would be it. Now no forward lean, kind of a ducky stance. Um, what else is kind of... No, that's it. Pretty cool. basic. Keep that just sharp. The distance of the stance is... I heard Mons was talking about that with the, with the fist, elbow to fist. In between the bindings? In between the bindings. Yep. That's the stance. It's like so a you put your bindings on and then the, the inside of the... Inside so the bindings yeah. go to the elbow, to the fist. And then you get the perfect stance every time. Hmm. What happens if you have a really long forearm? Nobody does. Or a short one? Nobody? Nobody does. What happens if you have long foreskin? <laughs> She's going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're European. Katrina. <laughs> Katrina, where are you? <laughs> Should we do a phone a friend? <laughs> All right, like that. Um, what's next for oh, also, also, also with the setups, um, the detuning, I, ju- I detune the contact points mm. and the nose. Light detune? Pretty heavy detune, actually. Heavy detune, and you go all the way around the nose. Yeah, all the way around the nose. See, I've, I love that. I've been because it's God. Yeah, because it's like I've got made fun. Lewis made fun of me so bad for that. That does not need to have any sharpness to it. Yeah, it's only a weapon, and it will get caught sometimes in a kink. Yeah, and it'll get caught when you're buttering. I like yeah, to yeah, butter. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a yeah. butter guy. Yep. Detu- Those people who don't detune their the tips, it's like psychos, kind of. It is crazy. Why would you not detune them? Why would you need an edge there? Have you ever done a turn up on the nose? No. And if you're going to do a nose blunt, all it's going to do is catch. Yeah. Yeah. So always do that, people, whoever's watching. Always do two in the top. It's like... Lewif, if you ever listen to this, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> go jump Go jump off a side of a building or something soon. Or into, into it. Into a dam. <laughs> into a dam. Go find a dam up there. I didn't know there were so many dams in Quebec until I watched Lewif's video part. <laughs> That's just Japan, I think. Oh. He goes all the way from Japan... He goes from Quebec to Japan to go jump in some dams. Mm-hmm. All right. Most He's my favorite. Well-researched dam. <laughs> He's a dam consultant. <laughs> Google history. You, dam. You, I got a good dam guy. This guy, Louis, he knows every dam. He's every dam. Him right. and Vole. Yeah. Vole. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, last question, Kenny. Uh, and it's not a question. Would you like to throw it? I guess it is a question. Would you like to throw out any thank yous? Yes. I would like to. Say some thank yous. Uh, first, thank my wife, Katrina. She's air horn a million. She's an emergency room nurse. Saves lives on the regs. Yeah, beautiful, genius, lifesaver. She's the best. 
and my three kids, Leia, Emmy, and Lonnie. Thank them and my parents. And I'd also like to thank uh, Tommy DeLago, who started Nitro Snowboards, together with a guy named Sepp Ardelt. Started in 1990, gave your boy a shot, and I've been there for 20 years. And they've helped me, like, build a family, buy a house. They've given me a life through snowboarding, and I'm forever grateful for that, 1,000%. And thank you to you, Chris, for making this happen, and thank you to fucking everyone who puts any time into snowboarding. Thank you, guys and girls all over the place. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, Kenny, thank you for coming on here, uh, sharing your story, inspiring us, and uh, appreciate everything that you do. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Silk. 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 A pleasure. And appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens and snowboards and supports us and all our sponsors. You guys fucking rule. Over and out from the bomb hole. We got another episode coming at you next Wednesday.